Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the podcast. Today, we are joined by <laughs> Sophie de Borno. De Borno. De Borno. It's close. It's close. It's close. Yeah. By the end of the close episode. Close enough. <laughs> by the end of the episode. I'll have worked on it by then. Um, and we're going to be talking about, well, it's kind of like an international students part two episode because you are from Malta. And <laughs> so we'll be kind of looking at like some of your journey, getting to where we are now in London and also answering the question of can international students actually work in the musical theatre industry in the UK? Is it possible? What options are there? Can you do it? And just kind of talking about the government. <laughs> so anyway, we hope you enjoy the episode. This is the Movement Theorist podcast. Well, I do like to ask the question of who inspires you? Or Ooh. like think lots of people in their personal life will say their parents, which makes sense. But think of anyone professionally who stands out to you who who you look at and go like wow that that's really cool. That's a difficult one. I yeah. I um I saw you like asking Izzy that, and I was like, oh, I literally don't know who I'd say because I feel like I feel like I get inspired by a lot of people, but I wouldn't say I'd like I like hold on to specific people. Okay. Like I feel like I just kind of take things from people <laughs> that like inspire me. And um, are there any like particular moments that you can think of where you've gone, wow, that's that thing or that person has done something that I would love to do. I mean, you were saying that there's someone from Malta who's just finished the Moulin Rouge. Yeah, that's that's cool, that's, that's amazing. It's probably quite inspiring for you as well. Yeah, someone also from Malta. He he just he literally like just graduated from Art Ed and um like went straight into Moulin Rouge as the ensemble and first cover Baby Doll. So yeah, to be honest, there are actually quite a few people back home who do inspire me. Like especially there are quite a number of people who like somehow managed to make it work by living between Malta and London. Like, I don't even know how, how they do that, but like they do. Um, it might be me in the future, I don't know. But like they basically managed to like make a career for themselves in both places. Um, there's this person, Luke Sidon, and he just wrote, um, well, not just, but like, he wrote like the first fully Maltese musical. Um, oh, wow. And it's also like a queer musical. It's called It Teatro Tal Miskin which means like miskin is like a a word that we used to be like poor you like or like bless bless you like how british people would say that so mm. it's basically like theater of those who are like kind of looked down upon or pitied yeah what is the um industry in malta like is there one for musicals like that um so there isn't currently it's it's a difficult question because like there is an industry but there isn't it's nothing like what there is in the uk unfortunately so there aren't really shows that are running long term they're usually just they'd just be like running for a week or so um and unfortunately in all of in all like the performing arts like in theater and dance and musical theater it's currently not at a place where people can do it full time so people would have to have other jobs i mean even the uk have to have other jobs but like i feel like in the uk when you're on a contract like that's your full time job yeah but in Malta, it's like you would rehearse like in the evenings or it would be like kind of, I guess, a part time contract um, because it's not really that sustainable. Like it's not. So it's not like a professional industry, whereas whereas here you can like you could be a professional in it because that's your full time job. Like yeah, I mean, job. I would say the people are still pro professional and like the the like the productions are still professional, mm -hmm. like. Um, there is a lot of talent in Malta like there are a lot of like insanely ta talented people but like it's like they're they're just projects it's not like a long-term yeah. kind of okay thing 
Do you think that's going to change in the future? Hopefully. Um, hopefully, yes. I mean, I, th I think the government needs to like respect the arts more. Um, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I think and, that's the same here. We've had lots of budget cuts. Yeah. And I think, I mean, the only thing that makes me slightly hopeful is that the new king, don't ask me his name. Um, Charles. Is it? Yeah. The new king. <laughs> um, likes the arts mm -hmm. and like, is, is, is a fan and, and has always like been involved. So that's like good. But at the same time, the royal family don't really have much power. Yeah, I guess him. so. Um, and on the other hand, the current prime minister was talking about making you have to do maths and English and science or whatever it was for A-levels uh, instead of you being able to choose and was talking about like... Oh, really? Cutting out some of the, the opportunities that you have to to have a degree in um, like theatre because I think he wants more people to do degrees in subjects that he respects or likes. Um, so yeah, there has been conversation about it being like, you're not being able to choose all the A-levels, like you have oh. to do an A-level of maths, you have to do. Whereas, you know, once I finished GCSEs, I was like, brilliant, I can do what I like now. And so I did an A-level in dance, uh, B-tech in kind of media, which is where this has kind of come from, and uh, a B-tech in performing arts. So oh, wow. that's well. like led me to come to drama school. And if I had enough. to do an A-level of maths, oh, that would have been awful. Uh, on the other hand, I did <laughs> biology and chemistry A level. Whoa! So and those, like you're yeah. probably like good at them as well though, and smart. Ish. Let's <laughs> say if you, if you chose to, do you, I mean, I guess did you have other options, or you like you wanted to take those? Um. So we didn't really have like dance and stuff. Oh, okay. Um. Yeah. Well, the sixth form I went to at least didn't really have any of the like artsy A levels, but there was like the, obviously like English. Um, there were definitely easier ones. Like I know someone who knew she wanted to go to drama school, so she took like marketing A level because it's like kind of relatively. Yeah. I'm not. I wouldn't say it's like easy, but it's it's easier than sciences, you know. And and she took. I think she took French as well because like languages are, I guess, a bit less demanding than sciences. Um, but I didn't actually know. That I wanted to go to drama school. I didn't actually know it was like possible. Yeah. So I just I didn't know what to choose, and I had done three sciences for O levels or GCSE, but we call them O levels. Yeah. Um. So I just kind of did them as A levels. And I think. I think straight off the bat, the the question that I just want to kind of get out there is: Are you happy with your choice to come to drama school? Yeah. Yes. I wouldn't. I don't regret it, but. There are a lot of things which, like I was speaking to my friend um, who was also in my year and she's from Italy and she said like, she's not sure if, like if she knew like how difficult it was gonna be, she's not sure if she would have done it. Hmm. Um, I'm still glad I did it. Cause I like, I got to live abroad. I got to like leave home. Like in Malta, most people leave home when they get married. So it's quite character building as well. Yeah, like it's, it, it was an experience and like, and even just for the training, but like it has been so difficult. Like. Drama school is difficult as it is, but I feel like, at least my experience, I feel like it's been over and above. And I'm not saying, like, other people have also had, like, personally stressful experiences, but I feel like mine, like, anything that could have gone wrong basically went wrong. <laughs> Are there any examples of those that you want to share? Uh, Brexit. <laughs> yes, well, yeah. Um, I just feel like I've... I've experienced difficulties in like all the areas. Like I've experienced difficulties like making friends. I've experienced difficulties with accommodation. Um, difficulties like 
just not coming from a professional background like sometimes i think to, like re recently i kind of realized that like for some people this is like their 10th year of professional training but it's it is my third year of professional training like i never trained professionally before bird so obviously that is an obstacle yeah. in itself yeah because i thought it was difficult coming from devon which is quite rural like it's by the mm -hmm. sea there isn't much going on there. and i was like i being a, even being a british citizen i was like coming up to london and being around people who have lived in or around london doing all sorts mm -hmm. of kind of training similar to bird beforehand i was like that was intimidating for me but doing that from another country without having the the holy grail british passport like that is i just it's crazy yeah, yeah. i mean it's a massive i think it's, it's a it, well, it is it is a massive thing to do um and especially as you i don't think you're able you were able to work no. at all you no have any sort of job to financially yeah support yourself which is yeah just utterly, it's awful just it's rubbish. awful like that doesn't make sense yeah um i mean to be honest like it is it is it is it it probably was difficult for you like i'm not here to like invalidate other people's oh, no, 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 like but, experiences like, but like there are different levels of yeah there are i guess there are different yeah. levels um the i feel like the worst part of it all is that i didn't know any of this before i came here because i am the first year of brexit and it's not just that i didn't know like no one knew like I made so many phone calls before I even left my country, before I even like said I was going to do it. And no one knew and people still don't know. Yeah. And like the government doesn't know. And people who work for the government don't know. Mm. And people at birth don't know. And um, it's I feel like that's the worst part because we were just like, just didn't know anything basically. Yeah. And um, there's no one before us who experienced the same thing because literally people who graduated this year were still in time to get a settled or pre-settled status if they were from the eu a pre-settled so basically um in 2020 they 2020 was the cutoff where in december 2020 you had to apply to get either a settled or pre-settled status and that meant that if you were living in the uk before december 2020 you kind of got like permission to keep living there as a European or like EEA citizen. So if I, um, if I moved here just a few months before, I would have gotten that. So basically you needed to like prove that you had been in the UK six months before December, 2020. Right. And then you get settled or pre-settled status. I'm not sure what's different, what the difference is. I think pre-settled is like maybe you were there for less amount of time and then I'm not sure exactly, but basically they they have the benefits of mm -hmm. like of a British yeah. citizen. Um, I was just thinking. So this this guy who went from Art said into Moulin Rouge. Yeah. Did they have British citizenship? No, he didn't. But like he was there before, so it was fine. Oh, because he's, of this. Yeah, he's got settled status. And so if he didn't have settled status, would he have been able to? He would do have that job. Yes, he would have because of the two-year graduate visa. Okay. But then. But after that. After that, yeah. yeah. So you could potentially get an audition and do a show, but does that mean that you can only do it for two years? Well, I can. If you want, I can explain the situation. Yeah, I think, yeah, I think okay. that would be good because I, yeah, I've yeah, learned about it. It's it's quite complicated, and a lot of people don't know, including basically. Um, so there's this thing of the pre-settled status or settled status, but then. Um, different universities can sponsor visas for students. 
but different universities have different statuses as a university and that will determine what benefits the student gets so for example there are some there are some um drama schools which have like the basic um level which means that they can't sponsor visas um school, should, can i say what they are or I say what like drama yeah. yeah okay like like italia conti yeah. and lane and erdang and i'm not even sure what else but they currently cannot sponsor visas so we couldn't even apply okay like just i literally went into the website and they were like um you need like either settle status or you need to like have a british passport so i like, i just couldn't even apply i think that i've got a friend who did the whole audition process and then they asked do you have a british passport do you know what school it was i'm not sure which one they were talking about because i remember i remember in kaya and marta's episode yes. they said something about like they they were offered a place and then they couldn't yeah. i don't know what school that which was is but crazy like, that that's that's crazy but <laughs> yeah be in my experience there were like i had like a whole list i had a whole because the thing is if I go back like to my to like how I kind of decided to go to drama school I had a friend that sixth form in my year who who she just graduated from Lane basically and she went to drama school a year before me so she had the settled status so she sent me like her list of all the places she auditioned for and stuff and I kind of added them to my own list and I did some research and uh, added on more places and then literally I couldn't audition for most of the schools on my list because so anyway that's like the one of the levels like they just can't sponsor visas and then there's another level which is what bird had up until like two months ago which is they could sponsor visas but on the visa the students cannot work as a student and there is no graduate visa after graduation because they were not on this track of compliance list so it kind of basically just means you get your degree and then you go back to malta yeah but i didn't know this before because like I would have kind of thought twice if I knew that because yeah. like the whole point of coming here was to get um, yeah. like a career. So that's what Bird had. And this information was so hard to get. Like me and my friends when we were in first year, we just couldn't understand because people, the, the crazy thing is people from the University of Greenwich can work. Even though they provide us with our degree, they have a different type of visa. It, because they go to Greenwich, not to Bird. Yeah. But we're part of Greenwich. Yeah, so that's the crazy thing. So basically, Bird and Greenwich have different types of visas. And Bird, up until two uh, months ago, was not on the track of compliance list. I see. Um, so we didn't have these benefits. And we did so much research. Like, I literally spoke to, like, everyone at Bird. Like, I spoke to Lewis and to Simon, who's now left, and to the agency. And the crazy thing is, like, no one really knew anything. Wild. Um, you'd, you'd think that they would. Yeah, they didn't know anything. But finally, we found out that, um, and my friend especially did a real lot of research. Shout out to Sveva Latte Bovio. She's from Italy. <laughs> she did a real lot of research. I also yeah, did research, but really she's good. done like so much. Yeah. Basically, we found this out, that they're, they're not on the track of compliance list. And we looked up like how to get on the track of compliance list. And there was this whole thing, like you have to pay and you have to have inspections and it's, it takes like 10 years. And we're like, oh my God, like it's never gonna apply to us. Then finally, after all this stress, after all this like panic and months of this, we finally found out that Bird was actually undergoing this process, but literally no one knew. So they were under. <laughs> Hold on. So they were undergoing this very vital process yeah. to get on the list, 
but didn't know about it. Yeah, and my friend was checking every day on the track of compliance list and she literally messaged me like, we're on the list. So what does it mean now you're on the list? So it was a bit disappointing. <laughs> well, the, the one big thing is that we can get a two-year graduate visa. So that means that you've got two years to get a job. Yeah, hopefully. Like, I hope they don't come up with anything which is like, which says we can't, but like, mm -hmm. right now we can. But if you, and if you get a job in that time, does that change? I'll, I'll get into that. Okay. But, but the, so basically the fact that we're on the track of compliance list means that students um, on our visas can now work 20 hours, but it doesn't apply to anyone who got their visa after the track of compliance list, after we um, got onto the track of compliance list. So it doesn't apply to me, it doesn't apply to second years, and it doesn't apply, I don't think it applies to first years, which is the worst thing, because they literally missed it for like a few days. So that means that people after them... Can work 20 hours on the student visa. But they can't. Yeah. Why? So that's awful for them, like, yeah. There, there are a few people who, their visa says they can work, but it's a mistake. And it happened to people in my year and then they got an email saying, actually, you can't. That is, that is really rubbish. Yeah. That is really That's rubbish. awful. Like, I was upset for myself, but, but I only have a few months left. Whereas um, people in first year, like... Can't work. Yeah. Whereas people coming from the next year. So this is good if, you know, you are interested in, yeah. in training here from another country. That when you come, they'll have the opportunity yeah. to work. But our current first years, my close friends or not yeah they're thinking about doing a bake sale which i think is really cute. <laughs> um but it's like that's oh yeah, like cash in hand type things um that is so so frustrating yeah it's frustrating especially because we have to pay fifteen thousand one hundred pounds per year and we can't get a student loan yeah and i worked out that i'm paying the equivalent i'm on the now nine thousand whatever and it's about 50 pounds a day which Wow. But you're paying fifth. Wow. I think if you're on the diploma, you still pay 9,000. Yeah, but... diplomas pay more. Yeah, yeah. But, um, but you can't get a student loan. You can't get a DADA. You can't yeah. get any type of financial support. Um, so yeah. All we need is in the future for... Oh, my stomach. <laughs> for the Arts Council, for the government to put in place something that does support yeah there is they there's one there's something we got emailed about which started this year which is like a hardship fund which i guess is good but it's you have to be able to demonstrate that you have less than 500 pounds in all bank accounts so that's like real kind of that's like if you're stuff. really struggling which it is good but like if you have more than 500, still, you're still, I feel like you're still struggling if you have more than 500. And because you've got to pay, what, 15 a year, 15,000? I have a student loan. I have a bank, loan a bank loan from Malta, which I have to pay back with interest, no matter if I find a job or not. Like, so it's not the same as yours. And it's going to be 60,000 pounds. How long do you have to pay it back? Um, I'm not even sure. Because with us, it's just been extended another 10 years. Yeah, but we, if we, we don't can't. pay back for like 50, 50 to 60, if we don't pay that back in, could we have a living? Job? It used to be 40 years, I think, and now it's 50 years. 
or until we're 50 or some some they've extended it by another 10 yeah it's like until we're 50 yeah. so if we don't fully pay off all the student loans that we owe like whether if we don't have enough money for it i think it, it yeah if you don't pay it off then then it just gets sort of gets cancelled yeah, that's that's crazy that's crazy yeah like <laughs> i know i know yeah mental bearing in mind like some people who are at like traditional university are paying you know this amount and their contact hours each week are rubbish that's so like, true and they just don't actually do that like you're paying that much money and you don't really get much face to face in person like the most they get is like lectures where there's like 50 of them sat yeah in that's so true i mean i feel like it's crazy either way because yeah, like a lot of them it's i find it crazy on one hand where I'm like, oh, you're lucky that it gets cancelled. But on the other hand, in Malta, university is free and you actually get paid to go to university. So why did you choose to come to... Because um, we don't have drama schools. And it is your passion. It's yeah, you. and I actually did try for a year. That's how I met Andre. Oh, yeah. So basically, so we don't have conservatoires. We don't have like vocational training. Um, what we do have is degrees in... So basically... There's, there's like one main university in Malta and um, we have like, there is a school of performing arts within it and there are degrees, there's, you can have a degree in music, a degree in dance or a degree in theatre. Um, there isn't currently one in musical theatre and they introduced this new degree which was like bachelors in performing arts where basically you kind of join classes from those three degrees to form your like degree in performing arts and that's what I did for a year and so did Andre. Um, Andre, by the way, Cameron yeah, is a mutual mutual friend, <laughs> mutual friend uh, from Malta. Um, but the thing about it is that it was very theoretical, and it was as though basically we were being lectured by these people who've got th PhDs in theatre but have like barely been on stage, and they were kind of training us to be that to become like theatre scholars. Yeah, because to have a PhD, like to have a doctorate, like. All you do is just your research and writing, yeah. and after, but you don't actually. And that's end not up what I wanted to do. Like it's no, it's it was, it was it's like they they weren't preparing us for a career because they didn't believe there was a career available in Malta. It's like they're just they're training you to analyze, yeah, to write about it, to understand. Yeah, it, and that's not obviously not what I wanted to do. Yeah, which is or they just would tell us like to do it on the side and stuff like. So rubbish. that's that's not what I wanted to do. Um. To be fair, I kind of always knew that I um, was going to do it for just for a year. I kind of did it because um, I decided that I wanted to like, I wanted to go abroad to do drama school. I decided when I was in sixth form. So after my A-levels, I had a kind of gap year. And instead of doing a gap year, I went, just went to uni for one year. Because okay. I thought it could help me like in training, but it didn't really. But no, it gave you a good understanding of what there was and it wasn't I mean it helped me theoretically it has helped me with like essays and stuff and I made really good friends from there and they actually just graduated like this week like yesterday so if I had stayed I would have yeah. graduated yesterday <laughs> wow that's, that's a weird thing to think about because you've got another two terms to yeah literally yeah. yeah so basically people my age are graduating right now so yeah anyway um so yeah that's basically what what there is currently in terms of like a university level training or else you can you can do it like extracurricular um but there isn't really anything like full-time vocational and at, when i was doing that to be fair i kind of burned myself out because i was doing it was still a full-time degree and i was also then 
basically going everywhere else doing extracurricular training to train for my auditions so it ended up being like quite stressful and I was also doing a job at the time like a theater a theater job like it was I guess my first professional job that was in Malta mm-hmm. like I was in a show um, how hard was it to convince your family to let you because <laughs> that must yeah thing. yeah a big sacrifice on them yeah so first of all I've always so I've been doing ballet since I was five and I um, basically went to that same school until I went to bed and it was like RAD ballet. Um, so I did like exams and stuff. So it was it was very good training, but it was never like with the intention of doing it professionally. And I would say that was like the the majority of my training before bed. And then I did, I used to go to these like one week intensives in Gozo, which is like um, an island, which is part of the Maltese islands. Um, and they would like get teachers from abroad, um, like from the UK and stuff to have like a one week dance intensive. And I used to love that. Like I started going when I was 11 and I went until I was like 17, maybe. Um, so so th- I, this isn't really answering your question. What's like giving, <laughs> no, a, bit of, it's giving it, a bit of a background. A yeah. Bit so um, I, to be, like, I always loved it. And I always, I always wanted to do it, but I, it never crossed my mind that I could actually do it because I thought you have to be like American to do it or like British. Um, like, I never knew that was it was like a thing that I could do. Um, but I remember when I used to go to these like dance courses. Like the first one was like the summer after I was in year six, and literally I was eleven, so people were were like getting homesick and like missing their families. But I literally loved it. Like I didn't want to leave. And I remember after that I was saying like I wish this was like my school. Yeah. Which is crazy because now it is. <laughs> so I like, I, yeah. yeah, I guess I kind of and do you, like, made do you, it. Are you coping really well? Or have you coped really well with the whole, you know, Monday to Friday intense long days? I mean, because it is. It's it's hard though when it's every week because I only had done it for like a week at a time. But anyway, like going back to, I'll, I'll get to that. But yeah, like cool. going back to, so I like, I guess my fa- my family knew that I loved it. And like, that's also where I got introduced to musical theatre. Like I never really did it properly before because th- this was just one week a year. Um, so, and I'd also like, my, my school was primarily about, a, a uh, my school was primarily a ballet school, but when they had like contemporary, I would join and stuff and jazz, but like, I never really did, um, other styles of dance consistently, like I did ballet. Um, and even then when I was like in like year 11, like we had like a, our end of year show and it was like, all I could think about my mom was worried. Cause she's like, you're not studying for your O levels, like your GCSEs. Um, because literally that's like my whole life was about that. And same, yeah. same when I was in sixth form, like I basically chose my sixth form based off of the shows they would do. And it wasn't even like a, it wasn't a performing arts school, but like, it was like, yeah. it gave me life, you know, that's, like that's, that's so what I loved. That that's what you had to do to find the things that, yeah. that you enjoyed. You had to choose which sixth form you're going to go to based off. Yeah, and it was like an amateur show because it's just like whoever does ballet after school is like in charge of the dance, but everyone else is just normal students. Like it wasn't, we we didn't learn anything to do with performing arts there. We didn't even have like musical dance or whatever. Like, yeah, so, but yeah, I loved my sixth form, um, even though it wasn't a performing arts sixth form and I was doing biology and chemistry A-level. Also, I would forget about my A-levels for the the whole like rehearsal period. (laughs) Um, And then when I was there, I met my friend Frankie who just graduated from Lane and she knew she wanted to do, to do, do drama school like her whole life like she had it all planned out yeah um she also 
I guess had a similar story to me. She went to stagecoach as a child, so she had a theater background. I only had a ballet background, but she basically the same. Like her training all came from extracurricular classes because obviously there was no like there's no foundation course, there's no like dance sixth form and stuff. Um, so she kind of had it all planned out better than me, really, because she knew like this whole time. I I did it all last minute. Um, but yeah, she knew she wanted to go to drama school, and she kind of inspired me and. But I decided like in second year of sixth form, so it was a bit late for me to apply to come straight from sixth form. Um, but that's how I kind of, I was like, oh, it is possible. And like, I just decided to do it too. Based off the fact that she had more of an understanding. Like she had a pathway, oh. I, I feel like in mind. And I feel like that's the thing I kind of lacked because I knew, I knew that I loved it, but I was like, how can someone from Malta do this as a career? Like, cause yeah. I, I saw what, in Malta, I feel like the, the biggest like things in the arts at the moment, th like the things that like the budget goes to is like Eurovision and Panto. I see. Which I feel like here are kind of the smaller things. Yes. You know? <laughs> yeah, so I was like, I was like, either I have to like be in Eurovision or I have to like, well, even Panto to be fair, you don't, you don't get famous from Panto, but it's like a big, quite a big thing in Malta. And then that comes from our like British ancestry, I guess. But anyway, back to like convincing the parents. <laughs> So I feel like they they saw it coming in a way, but I feel like it was a bit of a shock because Malta is really small and there is one main university. So people usually don't leave home for uni. And as well, we kind of have this like Mediterranean, like family kind of tradition, like not tradition, like culture where you like usually don't leave home until like people usually leave home, like either when they get married or and maybe for their masters they go abroad not really for bachelors or maybe yeah. during the the bachelors they would go on erasmus so they'd go like on a student exchange for a few months and then come home so i feel like that's like the norm i feel like it's getting more common to leave home earlier now but i mean it doesn't really make sense to rent a place at 18 when when you can drive home yeah i think also like with where we are currently people who live nearby yeah exactly there's no need to, yeah to so i feel like money. the fact that i was leaving home was was already a huge thing because yeah you're young yeah people usually leave home at like 30 i feel like <laughs> um especially they tried to convince me to like they were all first of all my family was always very supportive immediately but um like for my own good they were like first of all like obviously it's an unstable industry like we know that not just not just because i was leaving my country like we we know that it's it's a scary thing to do yeah so they kind of they warned me about that <laughs> But they were also trying to convince me, like, maybe leave for your master's instead, like do your bachelor's at home. And or they even like I literally had my best friend's grandma like trying to convince me, <laughs> which is funny because she's not even my own grandma. But she was like, oh, so she nice. was like, um, like, do something else. Like you can always dance, but like get a proper degree. <laughs> mm. I hear that. Phrase yeah. Not a yeah. I feel like it's a, it's a universal thing, but I feel like it's 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 probably bigger in places where there isn't. A big industry because i feel yeah. like here maybe there are there are both types of people because people see the western like they see it's real but back home there, there isn't really anything like that big yeah. so it's like it's even scarier you know like the the, uh, the famous singers in malta are, the, are eurovision singers and <laughs> apart from eurovision and panto i mean there's no real way of yeah i mean we have our national theater the manuel theater which was built in like I think in the 1500s, like it's it's a really beautiful theater and there are always shows going on there. In fact, I had, that's the show I had done over there. But again, it's, they're usually short term. 
Um, yeah. Yeah. So it was it was quite difficult to like, and then obviously the cost. Um, it's not something we had accounted for because university is free in Malta. <laughs> suddenly having to pay yeah. a lot of money. Yeah, it was, it's, I feel like it, it was like a huge, it was a huge like thing. Like, I feel like that's why I say, I feel like the stakes are kind of higher when you're an international student, because I For feel sure. like when you're British, even though obviously you have to audition to, to get into drama school and it, it is like, not the normal career but i feel like the university process is quite standard for you guys because you get well i i as in no maybe not uh, no it's, it's as in not not the not the experience like yeah. not like uh, going the to class process, you no i mean in terms of paying in terms of moving away from home uh, like that is quite standard that is yes yeah i mean because you same as my, my brother goes to normal uni um he's in a third year there and our experiences of like just coming up here have been the same. Like, that's that's what I mean. Like for me, it was like, do normal uni and have it be free, or do drama school and pay. Yeah. So that's <laughs> that's the difference because I feel like for you, it's it's a, the same price, isn't it? It is yeah. the same price. You get a student, yeah. you get a student loan either way. Yeah. Uh, a lot of people leave home either way. Whereas for me, it was it was like these things are like unique to going to drama school. Like you leave home to go to drama school, mm. so it it was like there there were a lot of high stakes. There was already the stake of entering this unstable industry, but there was the stake of leaving home for it. There was the stake of paying a lot of money for it. Um, I didn't learn how to drive because I was saving my money to like go to drama school. Yeah. Uh, so I, I'm 21 and can't drive. <laughs> I think that's I I think that's probably quite a few 21 year olds who. Uh, yeah. I guess so, but like back home, it's not the norm because obviously you stay home for uni. Okay. Yeah, I see. And I also had this whole like money crisis where I didn't spend any money for a whole year because I was like, I need to save up to go to England, which was quite like it wasn't healthy, and I used to panic about money. And like I'm better now, but yeah, it was. So I feel like again, I feel like if I had to come here and it didn't work out, I would have so much more to lose than maybe if it's it's the normal kind of uni process for mm -hmm. you. I think it it is quite safe when you look at it realistically yeah. as, as a British person. It is quite safe because even if you don't, if it doesn't work out for you afterwards, you just go back home, which probably isn't that far away, <laughs> and um, you can just get you get like your normal unperformance job, and mm -hmm. that will just pay off for like. Yeah, I guess so. It really it really isn't that that difficult. Mm -hmm when you really think about it. So I feel like I kind of put a lot of pressure on myself for it to go right. And I feel like when it, like, since I had to kind of convince everyone that this is what I wanted to do, like, I feel like I had to, I had a lot of pressure for me to like it. And, and it wasn't even coming from them because like my family has always been there for me and they always ask me like, are you okay? Are you happy? But especially in first year, I found it hard to tell them when I was like, struggling because i was like i literally put them through all of this and they're gonna be like oh we, like we we made all these sacrifices and you're still not happy you know yeah so but it was never it never came from them like they they always told me like if you want to come home you can come home and stuff oh, but like i i i felt a lot of pressure especially when i go visit home they're like people are like how how is it and i'm like oh it's so good <laughs> mm. but like it's it's really hard you know yeah. it's, it's tough. <laughs> it is tough and it's normal to struggle as well yeah i mean if you were hoping to come here and for it to be a complete 
you know, easy, yeah. easy, easy ride, then you're setting yourself yeah, up. I didn't, I didn't well. know what I was in for at all. Yeah. I didn't even, I just did it. Like, you probably had and um, have had a completely different experience to what I probably will have. Yeah. Because um, everyone's experiences are going to be different. Yeah, that's um, for sure. Especially, I feel like our, the current climate that drama schools seem to be in is that there's a lot of pressure for them to start fixing some of the problems that they have especially the last couple of years loads of things have come out about different drama schools around and i think for my next three years it kind of feels like they're being watched a little bit more mm -hmm. and so like the whole thing of lifter and lifty have you had part of the not yet part of oh, after christmas basically they it's, it's good obviously it's a good thing but like they they don't say like the boy and the girl they would call it like lifter and lifty like there's okay, a lot of yeah. these like progressive measures being put mm -hmm. in place yeah it's, so much has happened in the last few years that has come out uh, on the internet mm -hmm. um and probably probably quite i mean i haven't looked into it probably stuff about where i'm currently at um but i think for drama schools in general there has been a bit of a shift and a change in making sure they're doing things slightly better mm -hmm. so i think that i will probably have quite a different experience to what you've had because... which is crazy because we're here at the same time yeah, but I mean, like <laughs> so the three years that you've been there you know is kind of when all of this was happening the three years that i'm not about to have is hopefully when they start to fix some of their um some of their problems i mean i think it was it was very normal for for drama schools to overwork their students mm -hmm. not give them enough breaks um or kind of chances to eat and stuff like and i am i am hoping that in the next three years now the now things become more public that does change mm -hmm. i mean they already don't like obviously this is like a basic um what's the word the, this is like a bare minimum but the bare min yeah. they don't have anything to say about our bodies which is like obviously the bare minimum but in the past they used to like weigh people and stuff yeah which I is mean, crazy I was, I was a gymnast and i'd heard many stories about other gymnastic clubs weighing the gymnasts Whoa. to make sure the tops were light enough which is it's crazy i never experienced that thankfully that's but awful that was a thing and the fact that the drama schools as well making sure like your dance is it's not necessary is it yeah but that has changed and um, that's good yeah i mean if i walked into bed on my first day and they weighed me <laughs> i'd yeah. be out of there yeah know? literally um i don't even know how much i weigh i don't that didn't happen. yeah no i i don't actually know i mean i I've been here for what three months now, and my physique has changed so much. Yeah, exactly. Because it um it is intense work, but I've come here to work hard. Mm -hmm. You know, like, and there are always things I'm going to struggle with, but at the end of the day, like you you hit you're here to work, and you also got to be aware, like, to look after yourself, because sometimes mm -hmm. you are burnt out, completely worn out, and don't have anything left to give, and you've got to be aware of that. Um, there's also a whole thing of like being aware of when you're ill as well. Some mm -hmm. people try and push through the illness, but actually just allowing yourself to recover. Hello, Oliver. How are you doing? Hi, well, push through the illness. Yeah. Uh, you also uh, slept in quite a lot. Uh, as well okay, as no, I, I slept in three times. <laughs> three times more than me, my friend. Three times to which I then ran to the classes yeah. and got in as soon as I've I done that out. so many times. So. And I lived at Avery, so it, like, it didn't end. Yeah, well. you live at you live <laughs> Yeah. Um, I was going to say, I did create with a kidney infection. Ooh. <laughs> yeah. Ooh, that doesn't sound... To be fair, I didn't know I had it. Okay. Oh. <laughs> but I wasn't I wasn't well for the last yeah. few shows. Mm. <laughs> so, that, yeah. That, is, that, sounds, that 
recently. Yeah, last last two oh, weeks ago. Like, because I watched you in. <laughs> when did you? What day did you watch? I watched Thursday, on my birthday. I watched on my nineteenth. Oh, happy belated birthday! Hope you enjoyed yeah. Bowie Ballet. It was really good. I loved oh, Bowie Ballet. Bowie Ballet was really yeah, good. Yeah, had a few disasters. Um, people in my well, it's quite funny, but like people in in uh, my create know this. So basically, you know how we danced barefoot. Mm. Um. It's like quite sicky and we were doing splits and pirouettes. So we had this idea of like having talcum powder in the wings, like in, in a tray <laughs> and we'd like step in it before we go on. All right. And on one of the nights I um, like we're all rushing backstage and we had to like go in the wings very quickly and then go straight back out. And I went to like step in the powder and tripped in the tray and left this like oh. <laughs> this whole cloud of dust behind me. And I had to go on stage. I couldn't even help clear, clean it up. Yeah. So there's this like white powder everywhere. <laughs> and like the, the people backstage are like trying to sweep it up. And literally everyone was like all white and it was all my fault. That's quite and... funny though. I mean, was <laughs> yeah. it the last performance ever? No, it was like, it was like an afternoon performance. Like. Oh. Oh no! Yeah. For 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 listeners, uh, create is a um, performance event that is it just third years? Yes. Third years doing their first term. It's basically you explain it. Okay. Yeah, I don't know why I'm trying to. So basically, um, when we're in third year, we have musicals, yeah. but a lot of musicals. Um, don't really show off female identifying or like I don't really know how to call it maybe female presenting people well because it's yeah, it's yeah, it's, yeah. it's non-binary as well but like if you basically if you're non-binary but you would play a female role or if you're a girl um since first of all since there are way more girls than boys and since there are like a lot of male roles basically like very few of these female identifying or female presenting people get the chance to be shown off in musicals so they basically make have this create which is um in the first term and basically all girls do would do create and one musical and then boys can do two musicals or they can do one musical and dance create so the musical theater create is only for female identifying or female presenting and then dance oh, yeah. boys can do dance because i was like when i was Oh, or like yeah, okay. basically male male identifying or yeah. male presenting can do dance. So when I was watching it, I was like, damn, third year don't have many girls. <laughs> because create is for the girls, basically. I it's to show off that. it's to show off the girls. That's why it's like oh, yeah. That yeah. So much. I, I, I did not realise. <laughs> yeah, Andre was I, like, you are those do you have like four boys in your whole yeah. yeah? And I'm like, no, no. I was like generally I was like, seriously, but are there not there are just not many guys at all. <laughs> no it's that's the whole point of create it's okay. to like show off so yeah. the, the the guys were only in the dance create and then the three yeah so you can so if you're female identifying or present i yeah. don't know yeah, how to no, say you, this yeah. but like yeah. yeah um you can choose empty or dance create and then if you're male identifying or presenting you can choose two musicals or one musical and dance create mm. what would you recommend i do i is dance create <laughs> worth it Compared to doing two musicals, I think it is because well, to, uh, two musicals is tough because I don't know. I I I felt like in terms of create, it was because I would say like I like to dance, I like both dance and musical theatre, and I like dancing not for the purpose of musical theatre, like full on like technical dancing. So I my reasoning was like hopefully I'll get to like do musical theatre in the musical. So 
um, I chose Dance Create. However, it was a tough decision because I know that like there's a likelihood I won't get any solos in the musical, but in MT Create, I probably would have gotten like a singing solo just because like basically everyone did in mm-hmm. some way or another to a certain extent. Um, so it's a difficult decision. I feel like if you really like dancing and you yeah. you want to kind of show that off too, then it could be worth doing dance create. Yeah. Like if you like dancing for the sake of dancing, then yeah. Because well, yeah. in my mind, and I think I've told you this, like I came to Bird as a contemporary dancer and mm-hmm. as an ex gymnast. Mm-hmm. That was, that was about it. Like my my first jazz experience was doing the auditions for drama school. <laughs> Literally same. And that was yeah. yeah it was, <laughs> Yeah. I was you, just a ballet dancer. Oh, you didn't do Erdang, did you? Because they didn't accept. Um, no, I no. didn't. But, so my one for Erdang, bearing in mind, contemporary only. And then their audition for dance was just pure jazz. I was so overwhelmed. There were like, all these just fast kicks and jumps. And it was, I was just like, what the hell is going on? Um, I don't even know if I could do it now, to be honest with you. I, I hope I could. To be fair, Bird was the only school I managed to audition for which does have a focus on on dance, mm-hmm. like on fully on dance. Yeah, because the which, course is professional dance. And yeah, professional. which like basically all the others I auditioned for were, were very theatre-based, like Mountview and mm. GSA and... Yeah, and, um, very acting heavy. And uh, Artsed and RCS. So like, because obviously I couldn't audition Arts. for Lane, Royal Conservatory of Scotland. Uh, um, I couldn't audition for like Lane or Erdang. So Bird was like the only one which was like, yeah. kind of and it's good that they do yeah. offer it yeah it is good yeah that's good um, it's just i guess having that awareness of that they offered it but could you actually do anything after yeah this? and also there's so much we can't do which is it's really like painful <laughs> just like obviously we can't work and stuff but even yeah. basically anything you think of like we just can't do it like you can't open like a student bank account and you can't like like I was in the process of getting tested for ADHD and I couldn't continue. Like I got to the point where they're like, we think you have it, but I couldn't get any of the funding to do it, to like get the yeah. like diagnosis or the support. Or or even there's like, um I forgot what it's called, like a, like a disability allowance. Like you can get money to yeah, help yeah, you. Yeah, my brother has um, I And I, I spoke to Hannah, the learning support, and she's like, oh, you can totally get that. Obviously I couldn't. <laughs> so they really need to fix it's it's just very like disappointing it's like disappointment after disappointment yeah and that's going to be the exact same for any other international students that do even in terms of like renting like we need the guarantor who is in the uk interesting because i've got friends liao joao and bella Mm -hmm. and they're all from portugal and they're sharing a house well to be fair last year last year i didn't last year they just they, they they use my parents and they just didn't background check them. So I guess it depends, like okay. if they do it properly. But then this year, I, so this year I was like, oh, it's fine. But they, they were like, no, we need someone who we can background check. So I was lucky that my mom has a friend in England, but it was quite, it was a stressful process. Cause you, like, first we asked another friend, but she couldn't do it. So it was a bit awkward. Cause yeah. like, I kind of felt bad. And then we asked this friend, but still it's like a huge favor to ask. And like, yeah, it's 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 difficult. And if it's, uh, if I wasn't luck- lucky enough to have like my parents have a friend, I don't know what I would have done. Like yeah, so so every person going into house each need a guarantor. Exactly. Not just one for the whole house. Yeah. Damn. Because it's like if you don't pay your rent, they contact the guarantor, and yeah. they'll have they'll be responsible for it. Like literally, a- a- uh, Avery was my easy- easiest tenancy ever. Because like when you're actually renting, it's so stressful. 
Yeah, because I'm going to have to do that from next year. Um, which actually, I'm quite... Obviously, I'm saying this in my British privilege, but I'm actually quite excited to, to move out because I don't have any, like, struggles with the whole guarantor thing. Like, I mean, it's nice. Yeah. Like, um, also, this is really difficult, but we obviously, it's amazing that we have the graduate visa, but we currently can't do any auditions until we have the, the graduate visa in hand. So right now we're in third year and everyone's starting to get auditions. Mm. And I just feel really left out because even if I'm like, because the agency puts you up for stuff. But so if, basically, even if they think I'm like, great, they can't. Like they can put me up for cruises and stuff, but they can't put me up for anything in the UK. Yeah. And it's really like, like, it's tough. Would you want cruises? Is that something yeah, that I would. But like, so that's, that is good, I guess. But especially i feel like ideally i would work in the uk for two years and then maybe do cruises because then obviously I, at the moment there isn't really a way for me to stay in the uk after those two years yeah I mean, if you get a job though oh yeah i'll explain that yeah so how how, that, how would that work then if you do manage to land a role so basically <laughs> also we can't do panto which is really sad oh like people people my people in my year going all going off to panto yeah, now yeah, not all I've but like so we couldn't even audition it's it's so sad yeah, yeah. like it's 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 really difficult yeah i mean i saw uh on the instagram the the post for the one in southampton and it just it was just like the the students just made up the whole ensemble because yeah so many of them and they're all they're, a lot of them are my friends yeah. so it's it's, it's there difficult there was like two three grids worth of people with like the the show saying like ensemble or whatever part it was and i was just like oh, yeah that's, that's quite a lot you know someone in my class currently yeah, even first years can do it too. Yeah, they're gone till January. Wow, I'm jealous. Yeah, I'm jealous too. Because uh, yeah. I wish I could yeah. have, like, I wish I could have at least auditioned, like, even if I, like, to get experience auditioning as well, yeah, you know? Sure. Like, I'm going to have to wait until after I graduate to even start auditioning. Mm. And there are only three other people in my year who are in the same situation. So Crazy. it's kind of, like, brushed on yeah. the ground How soon do you think you're going to get your graduate visa? Do you think, do you think it's going to be a long process? <laughs> Well, when I got my student visa, it just came like that. So I'm hoping, I'm hoping, yeah. yeah. Um, but then there's also the, th so basically you can apply for your graduate visa as soon as you know you've passed the course. So you can apply in like July. Yeah, but like my student visa ends in November. So the question is, do I apply straight away? But then obviously it will end sooner at the end of the two years. Or do I wait till November? Oh, oh. The trouble with that is if it ends up requiring more or delays mm. it yeah imagine like obviously in november but they don't get it to you until december i mean i'm still gonna apply before the student one yeah. ends but yeah. like i'm like do i apply straight away in like june july or do, you leave a or do i kind of hold on to the student visa to kind of extend my stay yeah. but then i can't work while i'm still on the student visa well i suppose there's still time right right after you settle into like not being a student anymore as well so I feel but like I, then I can't work mm. like all summer unless I go home and work but then I won't be like auditioning for yeah, my career a, it's really tough, tough, <laughs> it's, it's tough yeah. <laughs> I forgot what I was saying what I was yeah. saying before um oh about okay yes oh yeah basically when you are when you work in theater even on the west end you're a freelancer so you are self-employed now, there currently doesn't exist a visa for you to be self-employed, which is the problem. Okay. Um, except for like very specific ones, like global talent visa, where you're like a celebrity. 
or like very specific or like if you're like owning a business which does very well or something like there are very specific ones you can't just get one and be self-employed so the visas that exist require you to have sponsorship from an employer so number one you need to basically be employed by an employer and you have to basically be so good at, at the job that you do it better than basically anyone from England that they pay more to sponsor you to get a visa so there are two questions two problems one is that the employer employee relationship doesn't really exist in the theater industry or in the dance industry like even on the west end you're self-employed so that's number one and two is even if you do find an employer they have to want to sponsor you yeah um they might i guess in an employer's eye they could just take the easy option and also that puts the pressure that it's already hard enough there's already a saturated industry where there are way more qualified people than there are jobs let alone me trying to be better than all the english people like yeah. i already struggle to be like good as it is <laughs> you know let alone like yeah. mental <laughs> which is kind of where the whole joke which might not even be a joke of just marrying your british best friends has <laughs> literally from, which literally I mean, is is happening all around first year because there's loads of them um and i guess for you like it's the fact that that's even considered as an option is wild yeah but that's that's the thing and also the other thing is that if if you it doesn't really have anything to do with it but if you if you do have a visa where you can work as a student where you can work 20 hours you still can't be self-employed during while being a student so you still can't do panto or anything because with a student visa you can only be employed by an employer you can't be you can't be a freelancer so they could only get like a job a coffee shop yeah so the, the those two years of graduate visa is the only time where it's a free-for-all they give it to us and then they take it away just like that <laughs> it's, just, it's stupid it, it's really stupid especially because yeah. like you've got insane talent from all around the globe like why, why would you not want yeah. to things in place to allow that talent yeah i don't know if there are any loopholes i'm still yet to find them and there's no one i can ask because it's, yeah it's all quite new the only people who might have been in the same situation, but there aren't many, is people from outside the EU who came to the e- who came to the UK. So people from like Asia and stuff. But then, they, they, some some people, like very few, have an advantage of getting sponsorship because their their ethnicity is needed for the role. Um, because like for example, Lion King and Miss Saigon are, I think, the only two theatres in the West End who do sponsor visas because they need people of that specific ethnicity and talent. Mm. But that doesn't really count for me because I'm not Asian or or anything. So, (laughs) yeah. That is, it's such a tough, um, like, situation. It's such a, and also most of it just doesn't make sense. Like, why can't, you know. It's very conflict, like, it contradicts itself. You always, I keep, I call people and they all tell me different things. Like my friends Veva, when when we got onto the track of compliance list, she called, like she called so many places to try find out if we could work twenty hours. None of them knew, and then they would di- redirect her to other people. Someone told her you have to send a handwritten letter to Sheffield. What? <laughs> and then, sorry. and then, sorry. <laughs> and then they will read the letter and decide yeah. if you're allowed to work or not. So oh. she sent this letter, and then we found out we can't. <laughs> None of this makes sense. Yeah, it's so random. And it's it's annoying because like 
Malta's part of the Commonwealth. Yeah, yeah. So you've you've mentioned um, about how yeah there was kind of some of the influence there, especially with Panto being a well. Yeah. Um. So basically, Malta was part of the British British colony for 150 years, and then we gained independence. I think it was 58 years ago, so not too long ago. Like when my grandparents were young, Malta was basically part of Britain, and it's crazy that we have zero benefits from that at all. Yeah. Like nothing. You think nothing. Surely, but. Yeah. But no. Um, that has affected our culture a lot, I think, because like English is my first language, which like a lot of people don't believe. <laughs> and <laughs> but... why, why is it? Why is it that, that it's worked out like that? Which which bit? Like is it, is that, why is it that English is your first language? So basically English and Maltese are Malta's two main languages. Like they're they're like equal. In, like they're the two official languages of Malta. Um, and then I guess it it depends on your family which one you you know better. Like I grew up speak, speaking English. I guess it kind of depends which like where you're from as well in the on the island. Like I feel like this isn't like a flat out rule, but down south I think Maltese is spoken more, and then north or central yeah. English is spoken more. Um, but everyone needs to know both, especially like my age and my parents' age. Like maybe the grandparents there are some who only speak Maltese, but like from like people in their like 60s onwards everyone knows and at least understands both and like to go to university you need to have o level or like gcse in both english and maltese to do law you need a level in both um yeah so they're like the two official languages um we've been colonized by a lot of people in the past because it's because malta's like it's an island in the Mediterranean and it's in a very like strategic location for the war. So people would use this as like their base. Um, so we were under the At Italian, also under the Italian colony for a while, which influenced our language Maltese. Um, we were also under the Turkish and we were under the Arab, like an Arab empire as well. I'm not exactly sure which, like from wh where they were from, but basically Malta, Maltese, comes from Italian and Arabic. So it has like Semitic roots, but it's the only yeah. Semitic language which uses the Latin alphabet. Cool. Um, and there was also the language question, this thing where they had to like kind of decide whether we were going to have English or Italian as our main language and English one. Mm. Which probably, I mean, because you know, you've wanted to come now to the United Kingdom yeah. to train. If you hadn't been speaking English and been Italian, it would have been... Yeah, it would have been hard. Like I find it amazing how people speak their second language like how how people come here and english is their second language because like i am bilingual but i am more fluent in english mm -hmm. so like i find it amazing how people like speak their second language all day every day like that's yeah. really crazy to me like i some like obviously i'm fluent in maltese but i do get stuck in when i'm mm. speaking maltese so. well it's it's um it's something that i see with lots of my portuguese friends is um are they always because they you know portuguese is their first language um and like they will be speaking in English all day. But sometimes they do this like code switching and they don't sometimes when they're tired, because they're long days, you know, get mm -hmm. get tired. And they don't realise that they like they're like switching between languages mid conversation. To be fair, I say English is my first language, but the English I speak at home has Maltese words in it. So we do uh -huh. mix. So, so I did find it hard at first when I came here. And I also had to change the way I speak English yeah. because 
it, we speak it differently even though like what we learn is british english mm. um we kind of structure sentences differently i see yeah so sometimes sometimes we would say things like the way it's said in maltese but in english for example like we would in maltese when you ask a question you just say the statement with in a different tone like you just say it with a question mark at the end okay. and we in malta we do that in english as well like we would be like you're coming to school like as a, that's a question like are you coming to school but we'd be like you're coming to okay, school like yeah. yeah but people here didn't understand me we wouldn't understand me so they they think i was like saying a statement like once we were once like me and someone in my class were like looking for what room we were in and i was like for example we're in room th we're in room 39 like it was a question and i kept asking and he wasn't answering and then he was like i know and i'm like it was it's a question because <laughs> uh, yeah, right. so now i have to yeah. consciously be like are we in are room we? 39 because yeah. back home i just be like we're in room 39 and they're like yes i think some english people do that like i feel like i yeah. find myself occasionally uh, mm -hmm. being, i feel like it's because i also have a different intonation so they don't yeah. understand that it's a question i guess so yeah because you have to you do have to change the way that you yeah like, <laughs> put emphasis in the sentence we did a whole lesson in accents on um like emphasis on things yeah, how do I, you um i love accents cope, yeah about accents you... i think i'm quite good at accents and um i guess i got lucky because i, I know like some international students struggle with it um i think partly because like english is my first language it's not a, like it would be so hard to put an accent on your second language because it's already you're already thinking about how to speak it especially if it's not a native second language because like my second language is maltese but it's my native language um, so I know what the accent is for that. But when you're speaking like a language from a country which isn't your own country, you basically pick up the accent of the people you're learning from. So like some Italian people sound British, but then some sound American because they learn from like yeah. Americans. So, and that's just like the accent you kind of learn the language with. So yeah, you wouldn't know like, sense. you wouldn't know a new, you wouldn't have like a neutral accent to begin with. Like, I feel like it, when you, when you like, do accents in English like your own accent is like the neutral accent so that for yourself so then you can compare like if I say bath then Americans say bath you know yes. so exactly yeah yeah Martha learned off Netflix yeah she did yeah which is quite funny and there's also a, a like this question whether my accent is an L1 or L2 accent. I don't know if you learned about this. I'm not very familiar with all of the accent stuff yet. Basically, an L1 accent is the accent that comes when the la the language is your first language. So an L1 <laughs> accent. <laughs> an L1 accent in English would be a British accent or an American accent or like an Australian accent. Okay. But then an L2 accent would be like an Italian accent in English, or it's like when you, it comes from a different language. That makes sense. So like what, oh, so the thing is, okay. the question is, is my accent an L1 or L2? Because it's my first language, mm. but I'm aware that I have a Maltese accent. Mm. L3? <laughs> <laughs> like maybe? You know? Creating you. But no, it's a mix. But it's it's my first language. It's yeah. not it's not like I knew Maltese first and I speak this way because yeah. I'm used to speaking Maltese. I, I I this is my first language, but I learned English this way. I think it's it's not dependent on. But it, it, that's a mix though. Yeah, because it's some of L one and it's some of L two. Yeah. yeah. But I'm not sure if it's L one point five. On whether it was your 
first language more around the actual accent mm. what it sounds closer to so since you're around maltese accents yeah like mm -hmm. the maltese language as well that might have had yeah it's 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 like it's a gray area because it is it it is a, an accent in the way like Australian is an accent because it's like or American like it is it's like my first language and this is the accent mm -hmm. but at the same time like it's not like we're pronouncing stuff wrong you know yeah, yeah that's like, it is interesting because like you've learned it halfway through yeah. exactly just, just for me thinking then like my mind just was switching like every couple of seconds between like so what is it then and I I thought I made my mind up, but then you'd say something. Yeah. Like, I wasn't sure again. So it is in a grey area. It's totally right. Yeah. It probably needs its own L. Uh, <laughs> Literally. L, L zero. L zero. L one and a half. Just, just somewhere. Yeah. Somewhere in between. Um. So basically, yeah, I really like accents, and I, I don't think I found them hard. Um, and I think one of the reasons for that is because, since like I grew up with two languages, I've had to like code switch a lot. Um, because like I would speak, I, I had like an English speaking household, but a Maltese speaking school. And another thing about Malta is that like the Maltese accent in English can be both rhotic and non-rhotic. Have you learned about that? Yeah, the rhotic R. Yeah. Sound. Rhotic means you sound all R's like an American. Yeah. Non-rhotic means you don't sound the R's, which you don't sound the R's, which don't have a vowel after them. So you say like car, car and like, yeah, but I, like my personal accent does both. Like if you listen to this, I probably sounded some R's and then sound didn't sound others. Like I said R and then I said other. Mm. <laughs> and that's, oh, yeah. Man. And I, I don't think all Maltese people have this. I think some, some are very set in their like non-rhotic or rhotic, but then people like me code switch a lot. Yeah, so you, you don't, okay. Cause like I'd be at home and my mom's like, don't sound your R's and I'd be at school and I'd sound like, I'd sound like too posh if I'm being like car, water. Yeah. So, so are, you, are you aware of which, or are you purposely sounding certain R's and not other R's, or is it just <sighs> random? Like, w would you do it for some words? Like, could you could say the exact same sentence and you pronounce them differently each time? I no think that way? when I'm speaking to somebody, if I'm in a in a context where I'm speaking to Maltese-speaking people, like yeah. very like. Their, it's their first language but we're speaking in English I'll probably sound all my R's okay. if I'm speaking to a British person I'll probably sound le like probably sound le less of the R's just okay. because I'm trying to sound understandable to a British yeah. audience but then yeah. sometimes but then I, I feel like it's well, it, it, is, it I, becomes random at the same time like if I'm just speaking for myself it becomes random because I'm like who am I catering yeah, to yeah. or if I'm speaking to a number of people like mm -hmm. I wouldn't worry too much about like British people understanding it. Like we have to deal with Scouts people. It, <laughs> and Scottish. And Scottish. <laughs> you know, it's hard. Yeah. yeah. I've got a Scouse in my group, but I'm constantly having to like interpretate what they're saying. So I wouldn't worry too much about like yeah. wanting to sound too British. Yeah. Um, but I guess this kind of leads into the whole, the whole question of identity. Yeah. Um, of it's his, been tough. Like when you'd kind of talked before the recording um, about it, and maybe this links into colon being colonized by everyone, but you feel familiar with British things, but then also feel of mm. an outsider. So I wasn't pre prepared for the culture shock I was about to face when I came to the UK. Yeah. Because I thought we're quite like Britishified or Britishized. I don't know how to say it, but like we're quite like Malta. We have quite a few British influences. Like we speak English, and I thought like 
if I speak at home, people will tell me, oh, you don't have a Maltese accent, like compared to people at home. Like if I, they'll be like, yeah, it's, it's people with a heavy Maltese accent, it's different to how I speak just because of like cultural stuff. Or like Gozitans, for example, from Gozo. Like we have, you know how like Italy has Sicily, we have an yeah. island, Gozo. Good. They have a dialect. Uh-huh. Cool. Yeah. Um, so that's even more different, even in Maltese. And yeah, um, I didn't think that I would, like, I didn't think I had an accent. Um, I didn't think I had like a heavy accent. Um, and also it's a combination because like I grew up watching like CBBs. Like, mm, I did as well. And like Balamori yeah. and stuff. That's the story. And like we have Panto. <laughs> yeah. We've got we've got Panto. Yeah. Um, what else? Like there are quite a few things. I feel like I'd say the influence in Malta is like it's a mix of British and American. I'd say, mm-hmm. but like I guess we have more connections with Britain. Yeah. Um. But then at the same time, there are a lot of things which I literally have no idea about. Um, mm. And even like the English we learn is British English by definition, but we don't really use the, the slang. So like when I was in first year, I had made this list on my phone of like words I learned when I came uh-huh. here. Actually, I still have it. I, I can find it. It's yeah. quite funny. And um, how did you deal with with the amount of people at Bird who, who are all like speak kind of differently and have different British identities like because the um, way that I is I'm very different to to our cameraman today like in terms of as British yeah. people oh, I found the list so like things you, like you've got Scottish and and kind of like Dubai and... yeah and Dubai for me is it, it is a very like international mixed culture place yeah, yeah. So it's a, it's a lot like, we all speak differently and we yeah because it's not like you're just dealing with one like, yeah. British person you've got so many different, That's so true. different accents you've got like the London accent um, and even London and accent, you, you England has more accents than America. Yeah, it's crazy. But England's probably got the most accents. Just, uh, yeah, because you can, you know, you go into London and you've got Cockney, and then you can go and then you can get kind of like the slang London roadman kind of. <laughs> you can literally cross thing. a road and get a different. <laughs> yeah, no, li- yeah, literally. <laughs> and that must have been quite quite difficult for you because you've you've got like you you know British, uh, as, like all like British as a language, but then all these people. Mm-hmm. I mean, all so different. in a way, at least it wasn't like I was the odd one out. It's true. Yeah, yeah, it's a very good point. But yeah. um, sometimes it is difficult to understand people. And like, yeah. I have this list where very people good. are like, I might do. Yeah, I might do. Do you reckon? Yeah. <laughs> go off, like when food goes off. Like I would say. Oh, something's gone off, yeah. I would say it, it went bad. Oh, uh, no, yeah, it's gone off. Mm-hmm. Is that American? It went bad. It's gone bad. Or I would. I oh, know it's just quite. Sweet. I say like it's gone bad. It's just a sweet way. Of saying, like, oh, it's I gone say. Bad. I also say sweatpants instead of joggers, which yeah. I think is American. That's American. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. That's American. <laughs> yeah, yeah, joggers, joggers. I don't know why. Um, whereabouts? whereabouts? Whereabouts are you going? What would you say instead of whereabouts? Where? Oh, just where? Yeah. Uh, yeah whereabouts? Bless you. Oh yeah. I mean, I'd say it when someone sneezes, but I wouldn't say it as like "poor you." Oh, but that's because we use a Maltese word. Oh, we say like "miskina" or "miskin." Miskina. It's like yeah. Oh, bless. People use that patronizingly a lot, though. Like, oh. oh bless. <laughs> like I had never heard that. Oh, I hate it. Fairs. Fairs. Fair or fair dues. Fairs. Yeah, fair. That's I feel fair. like I say it now. Fair. <laughs> Peng. Peng. 
Oh, here we go. We're getting. I've never used the serum. Really. I'd never call something. When they say seriously. use, 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 like where are yous going? Like where, as a collective. Oh, where are you going? Yeah. Use, yeah, yeah um, use. in it. In it, yeah. Uh, jokes. Jokes. See, here, we're starting. Uh, the the <laughs> ones at the top. Like, yeah, like, like the one, you're going into kind of some of that like London slang there. Like, it's um, that's like very border Scottish. You know what I can't. You know what? Yeah, like I, I don't that. understand. Um, aircon. Like I know what it means, aircon. but like we, I say AC. I think it's American. That's American. <laughs> I don't yeah. know why. I got... yeah. the, the top of your list was like general British. <laughs> These bottom ones are getting more. Specific now. Oh, you know what? I wouldn't say AC. Would say AC. I, yeah. A faff. A faff. Yeah. Of something's oh, a faff. David is always like faffing around. Uh, what? Faffing around. What? Yeah, yeah. What? I don't even know where that's come from. Yes, yeah, so you got even, a mixer. Like you even like poorly, poorly, poorly. Like oh, they're poorly today. Poorly, unwell, ill. I feel like the, it's. Like the way, like you like put in extra words, like it'd be like, I've got, but I would just say I have. I have yeah, poorly. We, no, no, not for, not for that. Okay. No, like, like I have, I, I have a cold, but oh, like cold. you'd be like, I've got a cold. Like the I've got, I've got. I wouldn't I've say that before, but. I have got. Yes. It's just like, short, we, I've we add, is like I've got we, class. Yeah, yeah, we I've. add words or we smush them yeah. together. Yeah. Or, be, or they'd be like, oh, they didn't come in today. They did not come in. No, but like I would just, well, it sounds bad now, but, but back home, we just like, they didn't come today. <laughs> yeah. Um, but like they in England, you'd be like, they didn't come in. Yeah, they didn't come in. Like Oliver didn't come into the Yeah, he was just like, he didn't, he didn't come. He's not here. I ended up saying quite a lot. Or, um, <laughs> yeah, keep going, this is great. Ed, Ed. Like when you ghost someone. Oh, that's also, that's, that's specific. Okay. I'll let you, I'll let you know which one's specific. Okay. Uh, Mackie's. Uh, becoming, oh, oh see, man. that's becoming general, but I would yeah. still prefer it was specific, but it's becoming general. It's like, becoming general. I feel like we, we say McDonald's, but when we're messaging, we just write MCD, like we wouldn't say Mackey's. I'd message, I'd message and put Mackey's out full, like M A C C I E S. I would still fully write out. No, no, I'd, I'd put Mackey's for sure. Um, easier, my younger brothers say Mackey's. Yeah, that's specific, but it's becoming more general. Like yeah. people, like my parents would probably say. I feel like British have a lot of like children words, like yeah, eggy bread. Eggy bread. <laughs> no, no, my my dad would say eggy bread. I say French toast. I guess it is French toast. <laughs> no, I love it. Oh, another thing is like in Mo in Malta we we would have like an English breakfast, like it's part of like. Oh. I yeah. wouldn't say it's like full English. Oh, I English. Yeah. Like, can't afford a it's, 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 it's not weird to me like I have an American friend who finds it weird that we have uh, beans on toast but to me it's not weird oh, like, bean, no, no 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 beans on toast is... it's like part of my culture it's part of my culture wait oh, oh so beans on toast is part of your culture yeah okay. as okay. in we know it's British but yeah, like but, oh. but no 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 but like what do you think about marmite on the bread with, with the beans what beans on marmite on toast I feel like in Malta um, Bovril is more popular than Marmite. It's like Marmite, but it's like it, the beef, the, kind of same thing, the beef version. Like it's, yeah. it's like uh, with a red label. Yeah, I'm totally happy about that. If, if that's a thing. Not we, 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 we put uh, Bovril and Marmite on toast, but I don't think we ever combine it with the beans. Like, would that be separate? No, 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 no. Bean like toast, Marmite, beans. I've never tasted never that. No, no. Like, I've yes. had, I've had like Bovril on toast or Marmite on toast, but not with beans. But you can't, I, I wouldn't just have Marmite on toast. Really? I'd well, as a child, I'd have like Bovril on toast. Or what about, okay, um, boiled egg, where it's nice and like gloopy in the middle. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Soft, soft boiled. boiled. Soft boiled, there we go. 
um, with your soldiers. So yeah, we call them soldiers as well. Oh, I've never, never tried that. Seriously, guys, you need to. <laughs> What's what is it with the British and Marmite though? Adds, like, why is Marmite on I everything? I, I don't get it. Very much a love or hate situation. Oh yeah, I don't 100%. get it. Yeah, same with black tea. Um, I've re only in the last two years I've started liking Marmite and started liking black tea. But before that, I wouldn't have it. I think I think Bovril is better than Marmite, and I don't even eat meat, but I eat Bovril. I'm like a pescatarian, like I eat fish, but I I still eat Bovril because like realistically, how much beef is in it, you know? But it's literally like Marmite, but like the beef flavor, but doesn't taste like beef. I'm um I don't know what it's called, but I eat meat, just not fish. Oh, I'm the I'm the opposite. I'm the opposite. Um, oh no, fish fingers. Okay, I eat fish fingers, but not fish, because I just feel like just salmon or things like that. I don't. Like my parents, when we came up, they did a food shop with me. Um, I guess that's the difference as well. Like I came up with my parents. Well, my mum came with me, but we, oh, okay. we, we, we had suitcases. Everyone had cars and yeah, boxes. Yeah, yeah. We were on the bus with four suitcases, <laughs> like so. dying. Yeah. So um, yeah, my parents came up with me. They brought me a thing of tuna things. Uh, they've been sat in the cupboard for the last four months. <laughs> <laughs> just haven't. I need to throw them out. Oh, God. I don't know how long they stay for. But that's also the thing. Like, did you, tins, did you get like plates from home and stuff? Um, Okay, because I had literally had nothing. Like yeah, some people. I think this place came. Okay. Oh no, maybe I did. But no, that's actually the thing. Like I, I had nothing. Like I had came with suitcases, but that's it. Wow. So you had to do a shop here in IKEA. Everything. I've actually never been to IKEA. Oh, it's. Oh no, it's. it's bad. We don't have it in Malta. No, you need. You need it. I, love I want to go. IKEA. It's one of my bucket list Great. things yeah. to, Even to if do. Even you just go, just to play hide and seek. Like <laughs> I actually have done that with my brother. Like it's just fun. If I went with my okay, this is this is a childhood thing. This is also you should. It's not something you can run on my list, but it is a thing. Going to IKEA, playing hide and seek, and eating meatballs. Oh, that is a I've classic. never experienced that. Classic. Buy a, like a couple bags of frozen meatballs. In Malta, yeah. we have homemade. <laughs> homemade. Homemade. We like, don't. Yeah, I've never actually done homemade meatballs. Um, no, as in like a shop. It's called, oh, ho called homemade. homemade. Like oh, homemade. mate. Yeah, uh, <laughs> but it doesn't have meatballs. Well, that too. <laughs> we have that too, but yeah. Yeah. Nice. Okay, keep going. Um, resist, clapped. Clapped. Oh, ugly. Yeah. Yeah. That's when, specific. Very when people say, specific. "You what? You what? You what?" Ooh, general. General. Yeah. Wait, is this a game now? Yeah. Uh, it is. That is. I love mad. Like, that's mad. That's mad. Mm, specific. And when they say have a go, like he had a go at me. Oh, general. General. Knackered. Like we're tired. General. Oh. <laughs> oh, no. Okay. No. Interesting. Knackered's interesting. Knackered. Um, also, it's interesting because it means tired after doing a certain act. Oh, yeah. I didn't know that. I know it means tired, but. Yeah. Oh. Knackered means tired from, from doing. Something else. Well, like to something, be fair. Be something. No, 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 no. Something explicit. Oh, something. Okay, that, that oh, targeted. Knackered means you're tired because you've had. Oh wait, only. It doesn't yeah, only mean that. Just, just that thing. People, be, what? If you're knackered, I think. I'm People sure say they're knackered, knackered after. Knackered. Ruth. Yeah. <laughs> 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 oh my god. Uh, wow. I never knew that. <laughs> wow. wow. Oh, okay. <laughs> but no, yeah. So no, I'm pretty sure the actual interpretation, like meaning of knackered, oh, I never is knew because that. you're tired from having. I never knew that. Something naughty. Um, can, yeah. can I, I, wait, can you say pe people? Oh, but people say they're knackered after class all the time. Yeah, but I think. Oh, do they mean, mean 
But no, no, they don't mean. No, as in, do they mean it as like a joke? Sorry. Uh, no, but they, they don't realize. Like, don't... there's two different versions. I just don't think they realize <laughs> that's what it means. Like, if you're shattered, you're Oh, fine. okay, that kind of makes sense now. Like nakada. Yeah, <laughs> but people. Fair enough. Um, people. Uh, that's crazy. I never knew that. Hold on one second. Um. Yeah, people use it without realizing um, that. Oh, is it like? Is it like? Is it like? Um, it started off as that, but now they use it. Yes. But it's yeah, still, yeah, it's yeah. still kind. It still has so, like explicit connotations. So, okay, I, you know, I, I, don't, I think I can say on the podcast because I don't, I don't mean it. Um, it's not like we're getting monetized. Um, <laughs> knackered means, according to the dictionary, means uh, sexually exhausted. Um, but it's kind of archaic now, and people just use it to mean tired. But originally, like, his actual meaning oh. is that. But people just say it because they're tired. But actually, when if someone says, I'm knackered, it used to be people it used to say that to say. To is it like when... Well, are we, like, not allowed to swear on the podcast? You can swear, it's fine. Okay. Is it like when people say, like, someone, like, fucked you over? Like, originally... Oh, yeah. Like, originally like, it comes... Originally yeah, but, like, just, it doesn't yeah. mean that yeah, anymore. Yeah, like, I think now it just means that someone's... Um, yeah, no, as in I know what it means, but like, yeah. is it the same type of thing that it started off? Potentially, I'm not yeah. sure. Okay. That word is weird. It has so Knackered. many different... That's, oh, I learned something new today. Yeah. <laughs> Good. Yeah, but I'd say that's kind of general now. I think people just say, but I went, when I was a kid, my parents told me not to say it. I, not <laughs> I went, is it? I was like, really? I was like, as an old lady down the street, so it's from walking, you know? Like, come That's on now. Funny. So anyway, I used to just um, say shattered as a kid. Um, um, yeah, you don't hear that. No. All right. Motive. Uh, that's very Like specific. a party. Like very as a specific. party. Yeah. I, I, it's I, like I, London, I, isn't it? I wouldn't say motive. I I'd just say party. Um, bear. I don't even know what this means, actually. Bear? Like a lock. Oh, you're oh, like, no, you're no, bare. No, bear, like, no I, know, I, know oh, what, I know what bear means as in like empty, but like, oh, you're bare something. Like, bear, like, not a lot, it's not a lot. Oh, yeah, bear. It's very. It's like very, isn't it? Like they're bare something. It's, oh, that's, that's a weird one. What does bear mean? Like, well, what? Well, bear can mean like very, like very little, like very yeah, but no, specific. It's it's like it's, if I if I was to use an example, I'd say like um, that's bear weird. Like, mm-hmm. like it's, very, it's like like very weird or like yeah. Really, uh, like um, or oh no, I was right with a lot. Um, they had bear like bear food, like they had a lot. Oh. Of food. Which originally you think like bear being like just empty, yeah, like mm-hmm. not a lot of food, but like it means the like bear essentials. Bear. Yeah. Oh, like that means like I'm sat here. I'm sat here. I'm sat here. Like, I'd just be like I'm sitting here. I would. Oh, oh nev- that's general. I'd never say I'm sat. Oh, they're gen- very general. I'm just sat here. That's yeah. Sat yeah. I found that so weird. Yeah, I don't know if it's um like actually. I don't think it's grammatically correct. Grammatically correct. It's, no, it's even not. some people say like you was. Like British people be like you you was there, but it's like grammatically you it's you were. But I think yeah. I think that's like a British regional people, thing. Generally speaking, aren't very grammatical. <laughs> generally, yeah, we don't we don't care. No. You know what else? Um, spagball. Spagball. Oh, that's very general. general. Like spagball. It's so yeah. weird. Spagball. <laughs> yeah. Also, the way that um Italian words are pronounced. <laughs> okay. Like we... I didn't actually I didn't write this, but like I how do you say like. You know a type of pasta. It look it's like spaghetti but flat. What would you call it? With it starts with a T. Hold on. Type of thing. <laughs> spaghetti but flat. Yeah. Like, 
Yeah, we'd that's say, it. We'd say tagliatelle. I wouldn't say but anything. It would be tagliatelle. Tagliatelle. I'd just say spaghetti or flat spaghetti. <laughs> but I, I, when the first time I heard someone say like tagliatelle, I was like, No, I've never, I've, I've never really even eaten. It's quite cute actually, but like, I would, but I'm not even Italian, but I'd still say tagliatelle. Like, I wouldn't we, say we, it. We, we English like, like, <laughs> yeah. like Anglicize. Wrong grammatical. We English. You anglicize. Yeah. Anglicize. Um, I I eat spaghetti or like penne pasta or fusilli pasta. I love it. I love it. Yeah. That's that's kind of what I'd eat. But really, I wouldn't even say that. I'd just say pasta. But also another thing that that like I was kind of surprised about is that. Back home, I'd have bolognese sauce, not just with spaghetti. Yeah, I but like people, I feel like here it's like you have spag ball, like it's spaghetti bolognese. But yeah. I would have like penne bolognese. Uh, yeah. Here it's. Or, bolognese. or the other way around. Once people were like, oh, we're having spaghetti tonight. I'm like, oh, with what? And they're like, bolognese. But, I'm, but for me, like they, the, the two aren't like, mm. like you could have spaghetti with something else. Yeah. yeah. Like I, I with pesto. Pesto, yeah. Pesto. <laughs> Exactly. Yeah, was, All right. Also, the way that carbonara is made here, jail, jail. Well, to be fair, not not like in restaurants, but like pe- for some people think, some people call carbonara just like, wait, what would you say carbonara is? I don't really. It's eat. like a ch- it's a cheese sauce with cream and bacon. Yeah, I don't, yeah, but I that's don't not make... that. <laughs> that's, that's what that's what, like, like the most general British carbonara. In in England, they'd put like cream and bacon on a on pasta and call it carbonara but carbonara is actually like egg like oh. without cream it's just cooked in a way that it becomes creamy so there's no cream interesting it's egg and parmesan and bacon i'm uh, interested in just off this conversation and i'm not even italian but like we have a lot of italian culture yeah. in our culture because so. of because of that being your culture yeah. i'm interested in, uh, in you knowing about or you telling me what you think of the way i eat food and i only do this because i'm a student but this is generally what my meals are i make I do a thing called mince and pasta. Okay. Which is, you know, like minced beef. Uh-huh. Yeah, and I make that with, like, vegetables and tomato sauce, and tomato um, chunks and stuff. And I do, I make, like, this mince thing, and I have that with pasta. I also eat curry with pasta. Um, I've done that, but I didn't really I like I do it. this thing of sausage and bacon with pasta. Um, penne, like, um, uh, what's the green, green one called? Pesto. Pasta, green like... Pesto. That's just what I eat. That's all I eat at oh. my dinners here. Everything with pasta. And when I say pasta, I mean spaghetti. I mean the spinny ones. Basically. I mean the, yeah, the other, like, I just have everything with pasta. Yeah, like, I've got to be honest. I literally had... Don't you get bored? No. I, had, I had penne pasta with chicken dippers the other day. <laughs> I, I, my mentality for eating here is I'll enjoy whatever the sauce is I'm making. So if mm-hmm. I'm making... The thing to go on top to the curry or the the um sausage and bacon or the the mince but otherwise i'm just eating it to fuel myself fair enough and i don't i mean i've seen worse yeah I'm i not... lived with four boys at avery oh <laughs> <laughs> no offense like, I, like, I, but I no. well like i'll make i do i batch cook a massive curry i batch cook a massive like you know what my sauce. one of my major culture shocks when i came what? to england was the ready food like oh yeah i don't i don't but um, it's crazy like yeah. tinned ravioli yeah i wouldn't oh, no. God, yeah. hard ready ready hard boiled eggs no, no. 
Ready cooked pasta. What? What? No, like no, no. That's fine. That's okay, fine. Okay, that's okay, fine. Okay, okay, no, like like a bag of spaghetti which is soft. Yes. Oh yeah, that's like what? Because here's the thing. It's just lazy. Because you could go home and it takes you like. Five ten minutes. That's to crazy to me. Past. Like the the tin ravioli. What? What? No, 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 no. <laughs> you will never see me with a can of tin ravioli in my house. No. Only through the window. I mean, I I buy tinned beans, but like. Yes, yeah, so I tinned kidney beans. Yeah. Um, chickpeas. Chickpeas. I mean, because those just go in all of my meals, full stop. Yeah, fair whatever enough. Whatever I'm making, sausage and bacon, curry, mince. Yeah. Like, Lentils. I'll put every type of bean that I can find, whether it's the red red kidney beans or chickpeas or cannellini, like. Because it's got protein in, and I don't things. I'm just cooking. Yes, it's nice food, but I'm just making what I need. Like, what mm. does my body need? It needs a lot of protein. It needs all the vegetables, and it needs the pasta. I mean, having said that, it. having said that, I said I like. I don't mind meal deals, but we don't we don't have meal deals in Malta. Oh, meal deals are my saving grace. I mean, they are. I mean, obviously in Malta, I lived with my parents, so it was fine. But in terms of like ready, like how far ready meals go, like. Yeah. Maybe they're coming coming in now, but yeah. we always do everything later than the rest of the world. Would you um have like go to build shop and just be able to buy a lasagna and just put it in the oven? Because that's quite normal here for people who I, I, I don't, don't know if it's thing. because my my mum never did it, mm -hmm. and I didn't really shop for myself until I came here. I mean, we we have like oven pizzas. Yeah, I mean, I think that should be fairly normal around. Well, that is fairly normal. Um, I don't know. Pizza. I don't know about like lasagna. Like mm. I've I've never had one. That was like ready made. I haven't no, but I know it's a thing. People, lots of people just buy. I don't know if it's just because like my and we never did that in my family or really large silk like metal tins of just pre cooked lasagna and you just stick it in the oven. I don't cook. I don't. Sorry, I do cook. I don't go to MS. I go to Lidl or Morrison's, and I only buy savings from Morrison's because my student budget doesn't allow me to go to MS. Um, I only went to M and S at Avery. Um, I, I only went to M and S when it was the only twenty-four hour thing open at uh, close to Avery. Yeah, yeah. So when I've been yeah. there, the the, the shop like the shop at Avery only is only open when we're at Bird. Yeah, it's <laughs> literally. Yeah. It used to close at like six when I was there, and it doesn't open on weekends, yeah, or it didn't. Uh, yeah. Oh, it's expensive too. Mm. Yeah, Avery, uh, which is the student accommodation. Thing. Oh, good old Avery. Yeah, it's like my second home. I go back uh, um, because, like, it's really nice where I live here. There's just no social area. Fair enough. The kitchen's so small. Yeah, so that's true. Socialize, and there isn't any place to go to. Um, it's almost like a room has to be a social space. Yeah. Well, this also when I came here, the kitchen had one chair, um, and it's still only got one chair because the second chair that we've got, I've nabbed as my desk chair. Um, so this here is my bedroom, uh, it's my eating space, it's my studio for my podcast, it's everything, like all of this. Thankfully it's quite big, I'm quite lucky in that sense, but it multitasks uh, and actually acts as my freezer um, as well. So I've combined everything. I can't even remember what we were saying. No, neither. I mean, we did a really good job of keeping on topic until the end and that's i think that's pretty good i think we should be proud of that because five minutes in i can be talking about something completely, completely <laughs> fair enough but yeah we, we ended up talking about the lasagna yeah. we've covered so much i mean is there anything else that you particularly want to talk about yes <laughs> yes what would that be i feel like i'd want to talk a bit about like um my ex like my kind of social experience at bird 
Okay. Oh yes. Okay. Yeah. Because yeah. um, it has been difficult, um, and it kind of ties in with like the culture shocks in a way because I didn't obviously I I didn't know any of this before. Like I didn't know that it this like these culture shocks were a thing. Like I had heard before. Like oh, the British tend to be more cold. But I never understood. I was like, how can it be? Like, everyone has their own character. Like, obviously, there are cold people and, like, warm people. Like, it yeah. never, I never, I was like, I, I kind of dismissed it because I was like, everyone has their own character and whatever. And that is true, obviously. But I feel like these cultural things are very subtle. So it's like, they're there, but it's, it's you notice them by feeling them rather than by having, like, explicit, like, examples, which is what makes it so hard. Yeah, and I feel like I struggled to like make friends at first um, because of these things because I feel like there were like social cues which I didn't know about, um, and it's been like a really difficult process and I didn't realize like it was yeah. gonna be so different, and it's so hard to like pinpoint what the exact things are, but it's like I guess coming from Mediterranean, um, it's a bit different like. And it's it's really hard because you can't generalize. You can't say like the British culture te- tends to be colder because there are some people who are the opposite of that. But like I think there are some people, uh, but I think on the whole, if you were to take like the majority or like an average, like I found that a lot. Um, and being someone who stands out isn't necessarily a good thing because sometimes the attention that you get on yourself isn't it's been brilliant like i found in my my own experience and i'm british like i found that i have i have to silence myself with a lot of things and just let mm-hmm. myself be sweeped underneath especially since being here i can't always yeah it's it, i found it really difficult just because i feel like for me i i like kind of especially before i came here i'd like kind of be comfortable with people quite quickly because i'm like that's just the way my culture is and mm-hmm. i was like like oh we're friends now kind of and I feel like here somehow it's it people prefer to take time with it sometimes yeah Um, I think that's true and yeah I've just found it quite difficult like um I forgot what I was gonna say but um finding it quite difficult when you first got here of understanding to be fair to be fair i actually feel like as soon as i got here i was fine like as you know the first two weeks yeah like it was so so much fun like i felt like i had a group of friends at avery and we were always in each other's flats and always like going to parties going clubbing but then when people actually started to settle with their friends i found that like people didn't really tend to choose me and i was Mm -hmm. like oh i've probably like made some mistakes already um which obviously it took me a while yeah. Like, and it was very difficult because, like, I was like, oh, what's wrong with me? Like, why don't people like me? Um, and I feel like it's not just cultural. Like, I don't, I don't know, honestly. I feel like, yeah, it's, a lot of people, I feel like, found it hard in the beginning, but then found their people. And I feel like I was the opposite somehow. It got harder as time went on. Oh, interesting. Yeah. Yeah, I think a very British way of thinking is that it'll be tough at first but then it'll get easier yeah but for me it was I feel like it was the opposite because I was at first like I wasn't homesick I wasn't like I was so excited and I feel like I got along well with everyone 
And then people started actually like finding their people and solidifying those friendships and mm. got hard. I see. Yeah. Um, and I struggle so much with it. Like I feel like now, now I'm in a better place and I do have friends and I'm like really grateful for them. But I still wouldn't say that I like fit into the bird bubble and the bird society like in my year. Yeah. And I don't think I do either, to be honest with you. And um, honestly, I don't know if it's a cultural thing or not, because I'd say in my year there are seven international students around. I think I'd say it's kind of a, an even split. Like I feel like half of them have like a friend group and the other half don't. Like I wouldn't say I have a group. Like I have individual friendships. I don't really have like a group. So I don't know if it's cultural or not because some people did manage to make it. Yeah, I think um, for, for this group of first years have been quite lucky because a whole group of Portuguese have come mm -hmm. together and they're the only reason that I have friends. Otherwise I just have individual like mm -hmm. people. But mm -hmm. I get on with if it wasn't because and you know and like you know this the group that we have I think is very different to lots of the other groups that have, have formed um yeah and I, I I do find that quite challenging especially when I'm in lessons that don't have an international student in I'm suddenly like like our, like our workshop for example yeah like I don't have that at all it's just me you and then everyone else is just so just different to us mm. I've got like Bella and Liao in my class Bella and Liao were very, I don't want to say extroverted, I, I, like, I'd say they're very good at you know they are getting great, well they are extroverted, but not in that context, like they're very good at getting good friends with everyone and talking to everyone, whereas I am not so great at that. You just keep to yourself with them. So I end up keeping to myself yeah. quite a lot of class. I mean it's good to hear that you have like a group with the Portuguese, because I feel like there were times where I felt excluded because I was non-British. Mm. Um, like I don't even know if that's the, that was the actual case or not, but that's like kind of how I felt. Um, yeah. Well, it, you know, it's very clear that like the international students in first year have all come together, and all the other students have kind of got their own thing. I mean, I've come from Devon, not really. Mm. I mean, it's good that there there's like a lot of them. Yeah. Do you know how many there are? But that well, that's from oh, seven to nine just Portuguese. from Portugal. Oh wow, like, I was from the same place. 15, yeah, and like I, as a person, I am different. I I mm -hmm. don't get on with your traditional people, and so what I think is quite quite nice is them who they they who've come here who are different have accepted me who's come here who's different. Oh, have that's accepted nice. Who's come here, yeah. and so like it's a, we're a group of different people. Which is that's that's think. really nice. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I feel like th there was a point where I was like, it kind of made it difficult. How do I say this? I feel like I just keep saying difficult. That's <laughs> um, right. Um, it kind of made me like struggle with my identity. Like I didn't want to be Maltese, which is quite yeah. sad. Yeah. But um, like I just wished to like fit in because, um. <sighs> Partly because of this whole Brexit thing where it's just like so all this rejection just because of like my nationality. But also um, sometimes like certain people's attitudes towards it. I feel like they probably didn't mean it, but like it's it wasn't very nice. <laughs> like there was a point, especially like in first year where people like didn't really know me that well, that I feel like they kind of didn't really 
like certain people I feel like they wouldn't really see me as like a person they'd see me as just like this kind of interesting thing because I was from Malta like so they'd see me as Malta mm. and it would be like oh that's cool and they'd ask me a lot of questions about Malta and then they'd get bored and just like leave so it wasn't actually like yeah. about like about me as a person like they wouldn't really care to like get to know me as a person it was just like oh my god like that's so cool you live in Malta like how is it and all this stuff and then like after a while it was just like oh like we don't care anymore yeah that's yeah but the thing is i can also i can just picture that as well like I yeah can, you know from it's hard the same type of people are in because it's like oh it's only when they want to because then yeah. they like people used to like kind of make fun of my accent as well and like people <sighs> love finding things to make fun yeah of. but like and i don't i don't mind it in like a friend way but it was like people who who don't know you yeah people who are not like i'm yeah. we're not really friends like so it's just like like i'd be in class and i just hear them like mimicking it and stuff um like yeah. i do that to karamata but, but like you're friends you know you're there's not. a difference like yeah. <laughs> you know no totally that is that's wrong personally yeah i guess yeah they're, they're, i've definitely noticed a bit of a bullying culture not yeah. generally but i i notice it pop around and like you'd really hope that when you're 18 19 20 plus these things would stop happening yeah and it kind of just some of it throws me and it's always the people who are different like so noticeable i mean i've probably told you about a certain example um but like and you're just there observing it and like trying to help as best you can. Mm-hmm. But when there's just so many people yeah. and it's like they can't help sometimes just they're just being themselves, you know, like they're not they're not doing anything and I don't know, I think some people may need to like self reflect and start thinking, Am I is what I'm doing right? Yeah, I guess so. Um I feel like it has been for me at least like being at birth has been like quite a lonely experience um and I had to kind of get used to that like I feel like I still find it hard but now I'm I have a few friends and I really appreciate them um but like it took a while to adjust because I kind of felt like everyone hated me which like it wasn't the case but like it was a mix of like people being like kind of I guess ignorant about people from other cultures and then people maybe who actually didn't like me but then also just the fact that like another of the cultural things is like obviously people's non-verbal communication is different Mm -hmm. so I feel like if I like someone I would show it differently to how someone here would show it like maybe I'd show it more um so for me I was like oh the signals I'm picking up that they don't like me but maybe in reality they did they just show it differently because it's cultural yeah, to be honest, I also don't understand some of the signals. Yeah, and I'll it's, have days it's where hard. I go, where I say to my friend, is so-and-so in class, like, they're not getting on with me. I'm like, no, we're just... Yeah, it's, like, it it's difficult. Yeah, I mean, I I, gen- I think it's it's one of those things where, like, you can never really know. Um, and especially if your 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 ways of, in Malta of expressing... Yeah, I feel like we way. show it more. Yeah. And we're, we're, I feel like we're just more, in general, more friendly, even yeah. if you're not friends with someone. Yeah, like I you're don't, still friendly. I don't, yeah, I think the British, it's kind of the opposite. They don't necessarily show things. And so if you think someone doesn't like you, they're, they're probably not even aware. Yeah, I guess so. And if you, and I, on the other end of the spectrum, it could be like someone who doesn't actually like you and you might think 
they do <laughs> and suddenly you find out and you're like what um yeah, yeah. I, mean, I don't know the culture the culture is weird and obviously it will change year to year but generally a lot of what you've said i've noticed mm-hmm. myself with kind of how, how yeah. things are. it's really hard to navigate and it's i'm still like learning how mm-hmm. but like yeah I, I kind of and it's hard when you get into this cycle where you think you have no friends and then you kind of convince yourself of that or you think you like that nobody likes you like i felt like that for a lot of my time at bird where in reality there were some people who were always there but it's it's just i didn't see it as much because i was so focused on like the ones who who didn't or who yeah. you wanted to yeah yeah that you didn't always um, appreciate yeah and even just the fact that I, some, I had to kind of d- differentiate between the fact that, like, I don't have a friend group, but I still have friends. Yeah. Which is also... So I guess like, they're all part of different groups themselves. Some of them are kind of like me, where it's just like, especially so, some of the, like, international ones who are just, like, kind of friends with individual people as well. And then some are part of different groups. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, it's, I find socially, yeah. it's be so interesting, like, how group culture works. Like, yeah. where did the... Where do they come from? Is it quite yeah. simply just enough people just liking each other? And for in your case, if all the people that you were friends with were all really good friends with each other, then you'd have your own one. I guess so. Not necessarily, they don't necessarily know each other. That's, yeah, I guess so. You know what I mean? Yeah. But there are definitely weird. groups that, that have popped up. I mean, I don't know if you, if you know, like one of my, my flatmates is in kind of that northern people, people from up north. Um, they've got their own little little thing going on um and like there are definite things that you can notice but you sit on social media as well social media doesn't mm-hmm. help yeah that's so true i don't think yeah i don't know if you agree yeah yeah social i, I find it a little bit because also it's not always true it's not always I, real when i'm when i go home i usually uninstall snapchat i think that's valid because in Malta, Snapchat died out in like 2018. Like we were all like, oh, that's so 20K15, yeah. like 2K15. Yeah. So um, it was never our main form of communication, mm-hmm. but we used to use it as just a Snapchat. Yeah. And then, you know how, when the kind of whole streaks culture kind of died down. Oh, I never understood them, but yeah. Yeah, when it died down, everyone just uninstalled Snapchat. So I had to reinstall it when I came to Bird. And now I basically use it just for Bird. I, I think I'm the exact same. Really? Interesting. Interesting. Yeah, I only use Snapchat really just to be in group chats for different subjects. Fair enough. I mean, I speak to people on it now because, but that it's me adapting to the culture here rather than. Yeah, I I have two, three, four people that I message. Like, if I need to get in contact with with you, I'll send you a message on Snapchat. But some people, and I've never, I've never been this person, and I've never understood this. But it's when they go onto their Snapchat. And they just scroll down and they just have like <laughs> I used to be like things that. from oh, everyone from like hundreds of people and then they just pick and choose who yeah and they just oh, like they just, and, but also they're not even messages they're just photos of like yeah I, I don't get it and it's just like hundreds of like these red like snaps to open from people i've got four people i do that with i've got one i've got one from bird who i do that with but we actually have a conversation yeah. and, and i literally have two streaks with two people two people right now but i was like a big streaks girl when i was like 15 oh, no, never or like 14 but like yeah, I tried. as a child I tried, you know <laughs> me and my friend had like a 900 day streak whoa yeah and then we didn't keep it till a thousand because it got too much like <laughs> yeah see i got to i think 
this wasn't even an actual streak. It was and I like, still talk to her now. Sorry, but no, no, just yes, not on Snapchat. Yeah. <laughs> um, I, I think the highest I ever got to was like 100. And that wasn't even from just doing streaks. That was just, I'll just message this person. Yeah. My highest probably is just over 100. Yeah, I don't have streaks anymore of anyone. I don't just full stop. Well, if I do, it's like three days. I don't understand the Snapchat culture. No. I don't understand why like people I our age in England probably. decided that that's the main form of communication. Yeah, like, I, I would still prefer a WhatsApp group chat. Oh, 100%. WhatsApp, I use Instagram to... In Malta, we use Facebook Messenger. I, that's that's no. what my the no. older groups of my friends from home. Oh, I thought you were going to say, like, gram- grandmas. <laughs> no. my, well, my grandparents, they're, they're Facebook Messenger people. I'm not a Facebook Messenger person. I would say WhatsApp is for grandmas. No. Yeah. No. <laughs> grandmas. No, 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 no. Facebook Messenger is it. I use WhatsApp for my family. What's that's that? it. I use for so many different things. I use or maybe to send like pictures and stuff for the quality, but that's it. Yeah, WhatsApp is. I use Messenger. Yeah, it's like very general to me, WhatsApp. Because you know how Facebook, like you have to be 13 to get Facebook. So in Malta, it was like, oh, like you're 13, you have Facebook now. And then all the 13 year olds are chatting on Facebook. Or you'd like fake your age. Like it was like the cool thing at the time. Uh, right. <laughs> Lots of people I know. 11 year olds. Yeah. <laughs> I first got Facebook. Or Coinmaster, which was, I don't know if you know what Coinmaster is. It's, it's a like game. one of the games. Oh, yeah. That's when I first got yeah. Facebook. I got it on my 13th birthday. It was like a big thing. Like, oh, no. I can finally get Facebook. I only really got social media when I was like year nine, year 10. I think Snapchat, I was like year 10, year 11. Instagram, mm. I was year eight, year nine, maybe. But I, no, it must have been year eight because I remember like I'd post things and then people from school would message me being like, you should take that down. That's so cringe. And I was like, oh. <laughs> I my first first actual phone, though, like screen phone. My first screen phone, I was probably around. I had a phone with buttons. Like with buttons. Yeah, the the, the, button phone. Oh, like a Blackberry. Yeah, or or a Nokia type thing. Like I'd have as a kid to tell my parents and come home from school. I was only able to get an actual screen. You know, secondary school. My first screen was Nokia and it didn't work. <laughs> like I, I had it purely for games. Yeah. I used to have a phone shit. without a SIM card just to like play with it. Without a SIM Like as a child, like to oh, just yeah. use all the apps which were like phone I, messages <laughs> settings. Yeah, it was like my off, grandma's old phone. Yeah, so you just you, see if without a SIM card then you're just using it just to to, just to say that you've got a phone then. Literally, literally. As a toy. Yeah, yeah. We, I mean, it's kind of on topic because we're talking about the differences between the Malta um, oh, I guess so. yeah. environment. But uh, yeah, we have we have diverted. Yeah. Anything back to, was there anything else you want to talk about socially um, at drama school or your experiences? Hmm. Or do you think you've done a fair, fair job of talking about that? Well, this kind of, like, it kind of adds on to it, but like, just the fact that, like, I feel like people don't really know their privilege sometimes. And, like, saying this, I'm also privileged. Um, but obviously there's a level of privilege that comes with, especially in musical theatre, comes with being born in England and having the passport. Yeah. It's a privilege, sorry. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but, yeah, it's true. Um, like, obviously I'm privileged in, ter- like, being, like, from all time privileged, obviously, because, like, I have, like... It's obviously I'm privileged, you know, just as a person, like there are people who are poor, you know, like, mm-hmm. like I, you're able to come here. Exactly. That's all. So I'm privileged just in terms of living and I'm privileged that I got to come here. 
and that I'm like not like living on the street and stuff like that but mm. like in terms of specifically doing musical theater here and even just not doing musical theater like just living like it is a privilege that you didn't have to leave your country to do yeah. it and and that you have like you can work and that you can stay here and that you don't have any problems with like bank accounts and healthcare and, yeah 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 and I, mean, all these things. I guess there's a layer to privilege you know, yeah I guess you, so because I don't want to layers. sound like ungrateful because yeah, no, I'm extremely privileged yeah, but but there are different layers yeah. but then as soon as you kind of get that British passport <laughs> it, it adds like and people don't don't on. people just I feel like a lot of people some people get it but some like don't get it at all um once I, I was at bed and I was speaking to my friend um about this about something to do with Brexit about like us not being able to work and she was sat with a group of her friends and they were like, oh, I didn't realize Brexit actually happened. Oh. <laughs> they were like, I, I know, I know it was going to happen, but like, I didn't realize it happens. And this is what I was telling you about yesterday, that when Brexit happened, you lost access to about 30 countries. I lost access to like one. I mean, it, the UK, I guess it's, I don't know if that counts as one country. We'll just it's, it's a union of... Yeah, I guess, I, to one like state, yeah. nation state. But you're still... Like yeah. you, you're still, you still have an advantage. Losing, yeah. you losing lost, after losing access to thirty countries, and we lost advantage. one. Like you're yeah. still at an advantage, and um, yeah, they were like, "Oh, I didn't know Brexit happened." I'm like, oh, literally, like it affects them that little. Yeah. Um, and it's not just the musical theatre aspect. Like I feel like I could talk about this a lot. Like. I'm not saying this to talk badly about my country, but like I do come from a very small country and. There are a lot of things that I never, I didn't experience growing up. And some of them are really like basic things like drinking tap water. Just having like, <laughs> I know it's, yeah, it's, don't you think it's, it's. It's, it's, it's very bizarre. You have to buy the dry like yeah, water and it's expensive. expensive. And here you can just walk into somewhere and get free water. Like for me, that's a big thing. And, mm. and just the fact that we don't have trains at home. You don't have trains? No. I rely on trains just to everything. And nowadays. yeah, and like you, like the public transport isn't great, so you can't really rely on it. So like the fact that I can't drive, I feel I'm very stuck when I'm at home. Mm. Even just things like that, like having really good public transport here, having the water and and just the opportunities, and even like we don't really have celebrities in Malta. <laughs> like this is it's Damn. like they're just like Eurovision people. Like yeah. In, and you can walk into them in the in, grocery store. The craziest thing in London is that you could be walking down the street yeah. and there's like, holy shit, that person's yeah. famous. Like there are a lot of these things and it's it's not to say, like I don't want to, to like talk down on my country, but just like you kind of have to look at it like objectively. Mm -hmm. There are a lot of things which I just never got to experience. And I feel like being from Malta, I kind of, it kind of affected my self-identity a bit just because like we, we're kind of thought as, it's like a lot of people don't know that we exist. Um, and I, there was a time when I kind of, especially when I was at Bird, I kind of felt like I wasn't valid just because I'm from Malta. Mm. Like both in terms of being a foreigner here, but also just because like a lot of people don't know what Malta is. They don't know where we're from. Like it's never, like yeah. they never mention it. It's never mentioned in like films and series and like in terms of representation. Um, like, Obviously, I guess it's not the most prominent 
thing because we're not really marginalized like other cultures are. So obviously things like Asian representation and black representation, I feel like, I wouldn't say they're more important, but like there's more of like a prominence in terms of yeah. that. But like at the same time, it has affected me feeling like there's, I've never seen any Maltese representation anywhere growing up. Like it, I feel like it has affected my identity a little bit yeah. and it, I've had to work on it and I I still am working on it. But like I've, I have, I feel like in Malta, we kind of have this like this idea that we're just like we on one hand, we think we're the best in the world. But on the other hand, we also think like, oh, we're kind of nothing like and it's quite sad. And I don't and I don't really I don't agree with it. Like, I feel like as Maltese, we love to like talk shit about ourselves. I don't know if I was supposed to say that swear, but like, like we love it. Like we love to complain. We love to say, oh, this like oh only this only happens in Malta. At the same time, like we are very proud. It's it's quite like there's a weird mix. Yeah. Um, and I kind of want to like eliminate this talking badly about ourselves like if something's wrong like call it out for sure because that's part of like appreciating something like if you if you love a person you're gonna you're gonna call them out if they do something wrong it's the same thing like I'm not gonna be like Malta's perfect but this kind of talking down it's like people a child would be like oh I want to be a singer and they're like in Malta as if like you can't be a singer it's it's quite like and I, I realized it more when I came here and I there were times when I kind of just felt inferior because of that. And I I don't think we're any less valid. Like we are small, but I don't think like we're still people, yeah. you know. At the end of the day, we're all human. And I felt I feel like it kind of ended up being like a two way thing where people maybe would see me as less valid and then I would see myself as less valid. And then it kept going in that like it was really tough. Yeah. Um, yeah. Nice. Well, I think it's a good thing that you've come on the podcast then because you know just giving you a platform to to speak your voice to say yeah. <laughs> yeah i think there's a there's a whole thing there's a common misconception when people talk about giving someone a voice because everyone's got a voice and mm-hmm. so i think it's always it's always important just to clarify that it's about the platform yeah to use the voice that they already have mm-hmm. um and you know and talk about like representation you know Hopefully, you know, fingers <laughs> crossed, you know, after you kind of, you graduate, other people from Malta can see what you're doing. Yeah. Even just in terms of like, in terms of like films and series and stuff, like having like Maltese characters, like yeah. obviously there there is like Maltese television, which is in Maltese, but like, obviously it's, it's, it's only popular in Malta. So there's nothing kind of worldwide, which no. acknowledges that we I exist. Know, I, I, I see exactly what you mean. You know what yeah, I mean? Like sure. you watch... When, when you watch stuff like they acknowledge the Italians even if they're not in it they'll be like oh we're eating pizza at an Italian restaurant or they'll like speak about the English but I feel like people never mention Malta because it's I mean it is small but like yeah Still there. yeah yeah it's like um when I was young I always thought that like things like books and films and stuff like can't be set in like a real place because I had never seen anything set in Malta so I was like so when I went to Surrey the first time, I was like, oh my God, Harry Potter like lived in Surrey. I'm like, it's a real place. Like, mm-hmm. that's crazy. Like people actually live in Surrey and Harry Potter was here. But like, yeah, it's, it's like. I yeah. guess like the, the world is is kind of changing rapidly. And so, mm-hmm. you know, who knows what we'll see in the next however many years. But also like if other people, it, it might just me, uh, it might, what's the right way of saying it? Um, what it might take is for you know, someone from Malta who's interested in being in a position uh, in like the creative industry 
for them to put representation into films that maybe they make like it exactly might just take someone to... like imagine like you know in, in sex education like it's set in england and most of them are british but like they're like have you watched it i haven't no. oh <laughs> i know about it though. okay yeah um it's like set in a school and stuff and most of the characters are british but like there are there's one i think he was for example french and like the the, the one of the students fathers is swedish and he like had the accent and stuff like it would have been nice to see something like Maltese about like it doesn't doesn't have to be surrounded around us but just mm-hmm. that like representation that oh we exist yeah, like no. we're we're real <laughs> yeah, no, exactly yeah. What I mean. yeah and again it, it might just take just someone just to climb a ladder in terms of the um well the, the ladder of, of success of uh, in terms of being a director yeah. or creative yeah. and just putting so it in true. there for, for you to see and I think the more that that people from Malta kind of take that jump go to to drama school go do these training like the more that you're going to see in the, the coming years them being in positions to to do that mm-hmm. um and yeah. I, yeah it probably does also link into like you not seeing it because obviously about this like the size and it being a smaller yeah. place uh, but at the same time like you're still there you still exist it'd be nice to kind of see that representation in these programs or in just, yeah because like we, I, I grew up basically watching like British and American TV. So, to to the people on TV, we didn't exist, you know. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and I feel like another thing that kind of comes with this, like the the British privilege, is the fact that since England is like so big, well, to me at least, it's big. <laughs> um, like it's small and big at the same. <laughs> yeah. yeah I feel like you don't have to rely on other countries as much. So for me, like I would go to a supermarket in Malta and find products which are in like Italian or German and it's, there's no translation. And that's not even like, it's neither of them are a, a language. Oh, my, yeah. my rings are stuck to it. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> um, neither of them are like our main language, but we're just kind of used to that. Like, oh, it's normal. Like the, it's just in German, like we just deal with it. Yeah, Whereas he, here, here is, everything is in yeah, English. Even if it's from a different culture, yeah. they have English. And another thing is, I, I always tell this story because it kind of fascinated me. Um, oh, oh, also, so basically Malta, we use the same kind of like plugs and sockets as the UK. Like I didn't turn my tree on. Oh, oh, it's, oh it's, it's fine. It's underneath, it's battery powered. Oh. Um, it's fine it's cool <laughs> sorry but yes I support the thing we use the same three pin plugs we also drive on the same side it's nothing to do with it but we do <laughs> but anyway. probably goes into the whole colonization yeah exactly yeah. so we use the same three pin plugs but we have a lot of we have a lot of imported products mm-hmm. so back home it's normal to have something which has a two pin plug and you just like use a um, adapter use an adapter or we do this thing where we like put put a pen in the wall. That doesn't sound safe. <laughs> <laughs> but th- that's not the point. So basically, okay. yeah. So, okay. so if you can, they see this one. I uh, probably not know. Oh. No, no. You can describe. So there are there are three holes in the wall. Yeah. If you have like a something which is two pin, you have to like there's a inside each hole there's like a little switch. So if you put the pen in, you switch the first one, the other two open, and then you can like put the product in. Damn. And yeah, yeah, in Malta, yeah. that's like a, a normal thing to do. Like everyone grew up with their parents being like, don't ever do this. And you grow up and you do it. Yeah. And once I was just kind of telling this story to a British friend, and she was like, well, what are you talking about? Like everything here is three pin because everything here is like catered to you. It's not 
like, like but like we, we buy toiletry stuff they're always oh, but that's like the shaver thing well i don't know but and then i was like oh that is kind of true that like um like a lot of the things here are either made in england or else made for england things, made things for england yeah oh, yeah no made for england yeah but like for us, we just kind of deal with it. Like, oh, it's just okay, like okay. that. Okay, you know, okay, you know. Um, yeah. Yes, yeah. Like, I'm not saying stuff you buy online. I'm saying you walk into a shop in Malta, you buy something, and it's two pin, and all our plugs are three pin, and we're just used to that. Yeah. Oh right. Okay. Yeah. It's weird that you just have to. And it's like, not. Wipe. It's not even like a sad thing or anything. Like, it's not even like a dramatic thing. It's just like, but it's just like kind of crazy to think about. Like, that's the norm for us, because mm -hmm. we just we rely on other countries, and they don't really know we exist, so we just adapt. It's like a small, it's like a metaphor in a way. It's strange. Yeah. Yeah. Like you'd, you'd think that in a shop in Malta, they'd have products that would yeah, know, work for people in Malta, but they don't. That is, it is, that's very weird. Um, I think what you were saying about two pin was like the shavers you put, have, but they have a specific plug for it. But then there's a, a socket, a socket yeah, for it. It's like specific sockets. So. Yeah. Wow. That was, I mean, there's so much to unpack there, and I feel like I've just learned a lot as well, actually. Yeah. Um, it's like, it's about like the way we, I feel like we view the world from like different viewpoints. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And, and I think it's always good to have the conversations where you bring the different viewpoints together um, and kind of like you share and you, mm -hmm. you kind of uh, learn off each, off, off each mm -hmm. other. <laughs> um, damn. I don't know how long this episode has been. Yeah. Uh, I might wrap up here, actually. Um, okay. <laughs> unless, of course, you think you want to. Have we, like, ones. then, have we, can, I, can I look at this? Yes, yeah. Let's see. I feel like I'm definitely going to, like, think of something after. And, and yeah. like, oh, I wish I said that. No, yeah, of course. Ha have a moment. Okay. Um, And, I, you know, I'm happy for you to, to go for as long as you like. I don't know what you, what, <laughs> okay, let me see. what you have time wise um, as well. I mean, it's definitely been over an hour. But that's perfect. It's a good podcast length. I like the podcast <laughs> over an hour. Do you also want to continue then talking about, I think it was acting through song and um, yeah, what accents you, you can use mm -hmm. uh, and how it's different for you being from Malta to someone who's from Britain because your native accents are different. But then when playing characters and you're being told, can you do it in your native accent? Can you do it in thing accent? The kind of yeah. crossover. So basically um, when you're singing a song, which is from a musical, Oh, I just turned down. Hold on, we'll, we'll do that. <laughs> the red light is on. Bloopers. <laughs> Thanks. Wait, were they on? They're on. Okay. The, there's, there's a certain setting um, that like, just has a okay. feather effect that I didn't switch on. Right. One more time. Yeah. So we've been talking uh, about the accents that you can use in your acting through song. And um, I'd really like to hear about how, because you've mentioned before, your native accent being different to obviously British people's native accent. And then when you're told to use your native accent in classes, when actually they're just referring to the British people using their British accent. And I believe you said that you, you've been told before that actually your one wasn't, maybe wasn't right or wasn't yeah. okay to use. <laughs> so basically um, when, you, when you're singing a song, which is in English, but it's from a musical, which is set in another country, like how Anastasia is like set in Russia or Emily is set in France. Um, there is like a bit of kind of disagreement over what accent you should use. Cause I feel like people's like normal responses to just use the accent that the cast recordings in. 
Mm-hmm. But then they would ask like, why are you singing? For, for example, why are you singing in American if it's it, like there's nothing that correlates to America about it? So then there's a the question of like, what accent should you should you use? And it reached a point where some like British students were just told to use their own accent because um, there's kind of like an artistic license where it kind of cancels out because like the the musical like for example Anastasia happened in like the story happened in Russian but we're telling it in English so it that kind of like cancels it out um, and once we were in ATS and the teacher told somebody who was British she told her just sing it in your native accent because like you're singing to a British audience so mm-hmm. it would just kind of sound neutral um, and I put my hand up and I said so sh- does that mean we should like base the accent off of the audience so like if you're in England singing British and if you're in America singing American and he was like well for you it's different because like you're 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 not actually British so then I was like what accent should I use then and like basically he didn't have an answer for me like he didn't really know um and in the past I've it happened to me when I sang in American and they kind of asked me like why did you sing in American and then once for a mock audition they told me to sing in my own my own accent and I did, and then like the feedback I got for it was so bad, and it like made me feel really bad about like my accent, because I don't think they meant it in a mean way, but they were just like, kind of, why did you do this? Like we can't tell like where you're from or where the character you're playing is from. Like it just kind of sounds foreign and it sounds unsure, and I got all this like backlash, and it just kind of made me feel like bad about my accent. Yeah, which isn't you know that isn't great. Yeah. Um, and I I think like. In the coming years, there definitely will need to be kind of some steps put in for uh, international students yeah, who I feel like... aren't necessarily global majority, mm-hmm. um, but are still. I mean, I don't know. How would you would you say you're global majority? What would you? I don't know. That's that's yeah. a whole other topic yeah. in itself. Yeah, it's like to be it's um, um, it's kind of a tough yeah, one, though, isn't then it? Then I feel like they have to make a decision in terms of this accent thing, because then they kind yeah. of told me maybe you should do like a Russian accent or a French accent, but like. It didn't really make sense because first of all, I'm not trained in those accents. And second of all, like the story didn't happen in with a person speaking in English in a Rus- Russian accent, like it happened in Russian. So it should mm. like kind of cancel out. And third of all, like, why am I having to do like a Russian accent when British people can just use their own British accent? Like just because I'm yeah um, international. Um, And then when I was in the ATS class, I said, should I just sing it in British then? Just like this person. And he was like, well, you can't really eliminate your Maltese accent, can you? And he hadn't actually heard me like doing any accents. Like he hadn't heard me sing or act in an accent. Like if, if I had and he had like, he was like, these are the notes, like I can still hear the Maltese, then fine, I would have taken it. But the fact that he just looked at me, saw that I was foreign and was like, oh, you can't eliminate your accent, can you? Like I found it a bit hurtful because like he didn't say the same thing to the British people who yeah. were doing an American accent, you know? And like I'm quite lucky that I do quite well in accents and like I, ha- I haven't really had the problem with them. So I found it a bit like mm. kind of hurtful yeah um yeah i think yeah like, like i mean I've, as i've just mentioned like kind of going forwards mm-hmm. i mean there aren't as many international students in third year as there mm-hmm. are now in fir- first because i think in first year so many people have seen it being possible and have come over but for them to have maybe a better experience than what you kind of went through i think some of these conversations need to be had of how can we then improve on Mm-hmm. So, and some of it's just quality of life some of it is students being aware of what they're mm-hmm. saying I think how and how they're treating people and like there's there's a whole group of international students now who I'm really close with and you know I think what I really want is for them to have the best experience possible 
and mm-hmm. not necessarily to have because I don't know if you'd call them microaggressions or, or whatever but maybe it's just a lack of understanding mm-hmm. of how it makes people feel I feel like there is currently more understanding of um insensitivities towards largely marginalized groups or groups which have been marginalized in the past mm-hmm. such as um global majority groups such as um black people or asian people and obviously that's rightly so like th- I'm I'm not saying that like um the knowledge is perfect in terms of that like there's still a long way to go but I do feel like there is a level of understanding with that as it should be but then I feel like for people who aren't part of those groups but who are also like international I feel like there isn't that much awareness yet so I feel like there are a lot of things which people wouldn't even realize are kind of hurtful to us like when this happened in class like I feel like no none of the students kind of took it badly like they didn't really realize it was a bit like hurtful but I feel like if it were more of like a race targeted comment to somebody else from a global majority group people would have noticed because i feel like there is more awareness Mm -hmm. with that currently yeah and so it's about kind of raising that awareness for other international students and i feel like even just i feel like in general because i feel like we make we um there's a lot of awareness about people who are different in a in a big way that you can see like um in terms of pride in terms of um global majority which is obviously it's really good but like obviously the whole point behind this is just like being nice to people so if you're gonna be um a very kind of woke person in terms of things like that then even just not even i'm not even saying just for myself but even people who are like if someone's like socially awkward like just be nice to them because like Mm -hmm. it's still it's the same thing just on a smaller scale like maybe they're not like they don't experience a lot of like they don't experience racism, thankfully, but like it's it's kind of the same thing. It's like just treating people like people. In a yes, way, you know, because we're all humans. I exactly. mean, at the end of the day, and we <laughs> yeah. all just act socially. We we act differently, and and not everyone not everyone's the same. And I think it's very easy for people to fall into a trap of isolating those who are different, and and staying in the groups of um, people who, yeah. <clears throat> you know, who are who are perceived as normal. Mm-hmm. And, you know, and I've I feel so kind of privileged that this kind of group of international students has because I feel like I'm quite different to people just in the way that I am as a person and yet these international students you know they're different in their own way Oliver our cameraman you're different in your own way like we've been <laughs> kind of accepted into and which has been really nice that there's enough of us to form a group whereas for when you were kind of going through this experience there weren't many people kind of experiencing that and so that's why you didn't necessarily I guess didn't necessarily have that support structure yeah, I mean, place. like, I'm currently the only international student in my class. Yeah, which um, is, yeah, yeah. Mad. I mean, it's okay now, but, like, it's like Yeah, I'm you've got friends it. now and you've got, kind of, yeah. people who, who support you. But, yeah, originally, I imagine that was quite probably quite tough. Yeah, it's been, it's been difficult. <laughs> yeah, no, I imagine it does. And I think because there are so many more international students now, first year, it's just about what can we as people do or drama schools, colleges do to try and make their experience as nice as possible um and i think for that to happen some change will be needed and conversations like yeah. this will need to be had and people will need to become more yeah. aware even just kind of because obviously it's you can't really like as an individual even just the teachers you can't change the big things like us not being able to work but even just kind of keeping it in mind mm-hmm. like when teachers are like oh there are soon panto auditions coming out like try your best and stuff i'm just like well even if, no matter how well i do i can't do panto at the moment so just even yeah. just like having it small in mind, changes like it, it would just kind of help i just wouldn't yeah. feel so like left out and stuff 
yeah, I, I think I mean, it's a really important message. And for those who are listening, I mean, thank you for listening this far. Um, I think it's crazy that some people do listen the whole way through. Um, I mean, it's usually my parents, <laughs> um, Hi, <Mom>. but, there are, <laughs> but there are people who do. And I find it crazy. And, you know, if you haven't already, like subscribe, but you probably have if you are this far. Um, so, so yeah, I mean, otherwise just take this message that we've, we've been talking about, take it and, and learn from it and kind of try and see if you can understand it and maybe share it as well. Because I think kind of what we talk about, I think at the end of the day, it's, it's awareness. Uh, people need awareness. Teachers, for example, probably need to be a bit more aware of of how different groups actually truly feel. Um, and I think because there's such a large group now in first year, it's about using your past experiences to try and see if we can make a change mm -hmm. for them. Because I've seen, as one of their close friends, a lot of upset and a lot of worry and stress. Yeah. I mean, likewise, I feel that. like we could all like learn more about other people's experiences because like I mean I know this much about it because I I've been through it but mm -hmm. I wouldn't say I know this much about like other groups which I don't form part of so I guess we could all like kind of mm -hmm. try understand other people's experiences yeah. a bit better just be open to have conversations I think uh and <laughs> to be able to yeah you know work on yourself and, and and how you perceive perceive things and understand other people um yeah so I mean thank you all for for listening or watching getting to this point um i'm not going to say movement theories because we're thinking about rebranding so i need to get it in my head that it is changing uh the name um but thank you for watching thank you for listening uh this has been my podcast i am joshua cambridge i'm sophie de bono and uh, well i will see you next week all right goodbye <laughs>